Hi, everyone, and welcome to the 34th episode of Slime Time SideQuest, an official Dragon's Den podcast. This is Palladium 3. And this is Yangus, the legendary bandit. Yeah, we got a great show for y'all today. We are recording this at the exact same time. It's the 36th official Dragon Quest day in Japan. Uh, Dragon Quest came out 36 years ago as of us recording this. Um, and that's the release anniversary of the initial Japanese game. So, awesome day today. Yeah, it's definitely crazy that's been 36 years since the series that you know brought us all together You know, got its start. It's nuts. And, you know, what a special day it is. Um, you know, today we're going to be, we decided that for today, since it is a celebration day, we're going to go through our memories of all the games that were announced at the special uh, 35th anniversary event last year uh, that we played. That's right. We're going to talk every single English release that happened in the past calendar year. Well, I, uh, I guess there's uh, only one thing to say now. Side quest complete! Wow, talk about our shortest episode yet! Yeah, if only uh, more could be like this. I mean, we just wrap things up super quickly, you know? But have... You know, it would save a ton of time on editing. What editing? Exactly. But, you know, I'm kind of bummed that we're done so fast tonight. You know, I had this whole episode idea planned out, actually, you know, if we weren't going to do the 36th, 35th anniversary thing we talked about. Oh, man. I I, I mean, I've had enough slime vodka tonight like the last time. So what the hell? G- give it to us. What was your idea, Yangus? Well, I would want to do this deep dive into the competitive world of Tiddlywinks. You know, talk about the full history of the game, the top players my involvement with the sport during my college years. Hey, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. First of all, I'm going to need more vodka for this. Secondly, I didn't realize you were so into tiddlywinks. How the hell does that happen? Well, a <laughs> uh, funny story on that one. Uh, it began with me learning about the name, uh, how much it made me laugh, but then it mm. had this profound effect on me and it changed my life. All of us who get into the personal le- or get into it on a personal level uh, call it a-, a titillating experience. Wink, wink. You know... Um, the way you just worded that totally gives me an idea, Yangus. <gasps> you want to do a Tiddlywinks episode right now? No, 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 no. You, you, you just go tittle on your own time some other time. Um, what I really meant was you talking about profound experiences that made me think of some of RPGs all about engrossing the players with lots of content. So something like Skyrim or Fallout? <clears throat> oh, come on. No, 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 no. On, on our Jap- Japanese RPG-focused content here, I don't think so. No, we're going to talk about Level 5 and some of their well-loved PlayStation 2 games. We can talk about, like, Dark Cloud, Dark Cloud 2, Rogue Galaxy. Hey, that'd be good. But, um, uh, Platty, um, <clears throat> uh, I haven't actually uh, played any of those. Ooh, really? Um, well, you've been playing Final Fantasy 4 in your, like, real life. You know what? Let's mix that up. We'll throw in Fantasy Life, too. I mean, I could go on and 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 on. Is that 12 times? About this game. Oh, boy. We may have opened a can of worms. We can't close now, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. You're damn right we can't. But 
we're going to need some help to tackle all of these level five RPGs that we talked about. And uh, we've got perfect people for the job here. Please welcome back our guests, Brurian, Blue Star, and Lendar. Oh, What's shaking? It's finally happening. I know, right? <laughs> I've been asking because for of... this episode since the very first time I was on the show. <laughs> <laughs> and there was much rejoicing. Yay! Yay. <laughs> it's actually kind of funny because the first time I was on, we were talking about Nino Kuni, which is another level yep. five franchise. Yeah, we, this, I guess this is like our second level five episode, and you know we brought up them quite a few other times on. Because they did a couple Dragon Quests, they did a Yokai Watch, which I brought up on our Monster One ages ago. Mm-hmm. So level five goodness. Now uh, we had a request from Yangus this week, since he hasn't played the PS2 versions of uh, the PS2 games. We're gonna put those second, and we're gonna kind of go in a little bit reverse chronological order here, and we're gonna start with Fantasy Life, if that's Yay. okay with everybody. Sure. You know. Oh yeah, yeah. Sure. Awesome. Yeah, I've had to wait this long to talk about Dark Cloud. I can wait a little longer. Patience, <laughs> patience. Well, it may be a lot longer if we're going to go through all 12 jobs and all the missions that they have to do. <laughs> Surprise, it's not actually a Fantasy Life episode that's being hijacked. <laughs> this, will uh, be as long, blue. You this will be as long as our uh, Dungeon Encounters episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just the episode just, that was a little side a side episode entry. that became yep. a freaking like two hour episode. <laughs> Hey, listen, once we get talking, it, it always ends up right around there, doesn't it? You know, like one, one hour and 40 minutes to two hour and 30 minutes, that, that's our sweet spot. Yep. Um, and, you know, talk about hijacking games. I mean, I, I don't think hijacking is exactly the word here, but let's listen to a little plot summary of Fantasy Life, and then we'll get into uh, those of us who played it and what they did. So, uh, I, I went on good old Wikipedia, or I might have even pulled this from the Fantasy Life wiki, but... The plot to Fantasy Life, it's a, it's a game that's set in the fantasy world or of uh, Reveria, which is made up of several cities, plains, mountains, whatever. Its rulers spend their days ruling over their citizens and guiding them in their life paths. Uh, once day, this peaceful state is shattered when a strange purple meteorite falls, kind of like the figs in DQ9, into the house of the player, setting off a chain of events foretold in an ancient prophecy involving goddesses and moons. And whatever. So, you know, this kicks things off. Suddenly the players go asked by King Eric of the land of Castile. Yeah, to I, investigate. I said it's Castile. Castile, yeah. I mean, they're just trying to play on the word castle. You're in the castle town. Um, you got to investigate all these strange occurrences, like the meteorite figs. Um, these later get dubbed Doomstones by the world's inhabitants because they have the ability to fill creatures with dark, destructive energy. Hmm. Hmm. Sounds familiar. Uh, they're also joined in this quest by a glow. You you get joined in the quest by a glowing butterfly that has the ability to speak and is not at all like Stella. <laughs> not at all. Just completely, completely different. Inside his notes here, he just put AKA non Stella for the butterfly. Non Stella. Non Stella joins you. And, you know, the game's progressing. The butterfly reveals her real name. Ooh, it's uh, Uella, the daughter of Celestia. Um, whom the people of Reveria worship as the life goddess. Soon, all these doomstones um, are revealed to be chunks of doom, or chunks of a dome, sorry, a darm, a dome that was up in the sky um, surrounding Reveria, and it's slowly been falling apart. Hey, not unlike an Yggdrasil tree dying. 
nope, not at all. Um, this happened once in the past before. It got stopped by Celestia at the cost of her never being able to return it to Lunaris. Um, so Euelia and her sister Noelia discover that they have the only way to serve the world, and that's by gathering up the wishes. No relationship to benevolence at all. You're getting wishes from as many people as possible and taking them up into the sky um, where those wishes will restore the dome completely. So, uh, you, you got to do that, find out why there's not enough benevolent wishes in the world, and, uh, you know, just kind of keep going. Do all this, do all the life stuff. Yes, and speaking of life stuff, you get 12 different job classes you get to pick from for this game. Uh, you have ones that are more combat-focused, like mercenary and knight. You have ones that are more focused on the crafting side of things, like uh, blacksmith and... Uh, what is Carpenter. There's, cook, there's Carpenter, thank you. I actually went with the Blacksmith one when I first started playing the game. I did and, too. And um, hmm. you have ones that are just more, kind of more relaxing kind of jobs. Like you have the fisherman job, you have uh, the cook job. Let's see. I can't remember every single one off the top of my head, but you get a nice little variety of selections. And um, with each of the job class, or each of the jobs slash, you know, life paths you can go on. Uh, there's different masters for each. Uh, for example, like, since I did the blacksmith job as my first one, you know, my guy who was my master was, like, this real hot-headed, like, angry-looking Waluigi fella who's just like, yes. you need to prove your worth and build, you know, uh, make sure you can, you know, craft these uh, pieces of iron and, and, and bronze, all these things. So, uh, depending on who you work with, you'll have one, you, it, like, all of them will have a mentor for you you can go to and talk to and will help give you some... Uh, side quests and things like that in order to make some progress but pretty much the game it does have you know story paths that you can take but for the most part you can just pretty much do whatever you want you know if you want to swap out a job class you just have to go to the right place and do that you can work on side quests for another one uh you just want to go out and fight monsters or, you know test your uh, test yourself against things or just explore you're welcome to do that too I, if i remember right as you do make progress in the story they don't more areas will become open up to you but the game never is like oh you have to you know absolutely 100 percent go do this right now you can't go do anything else it doesn't like railroad you into specific things unless you start uh, certain story uh, missions and things like that if i remember correctly mm -hmm. and yeah i you end up what at three? I think you end up at three major major hub cities, or maybe little ones in between. But there are three cities that you actually get to own a house in, buy property, and build a house in. Um, so it, it, it's your life. It's your fantasy life. You're living your life. You know, buying the vacation home, buying the southern desert home. Uh, wow, that is know. a fantasy. Yeah, owning property, huh. uh, owning multiple pieces of property. I mean, wow. if only you could uh, Airbnb these things out while you're out doing the adventures. You'd probably be rolling in more dough or uh, crafting materials. Yeah, yeah. Really, this is kind of the game that, like, if you, I think, if you'd enjoy stuff like fantasy or, um, my thing. If you uh, enjoy fantasy life, you would like. Yeah, this. yeah, yeah. I said the wrong <laughs> thing. If you enjoy Rune Factory and things like that, you'd probably enjoy this. Or if you, you know, like things like Animal Crossing as well, but you want something with a bit more combat, this would be a good mm -hmm. option for you because this is more of an action RPG. But I would call it a like a light action RPG because. The nice thing is, too, like, even if you go with the job classes, like, you know, like I went with Blacksmith, you're not like defense. It's like, oh, you can't go out. You can't fight monsters. You still get uh, some weapons you can use and things like that. So the nice thing is that if you do decide you want to focus on, oh, like, what was one thing I did? Like, I, I know at one point I swapped over to Mercenary and they can use these like big two handed swords. You know, so I made some progress in that. But I'm like, I'm going to go back to working on like the, the um 
the blacksmith stuff. Well, the nice thing is if you do make progress in one job class, it does carry over to the other one. So, you know, my blacksmith guy, originally he could only use like little swords or knives and things. But because I worked on the mercenary one, I was then able to equip, you know, this heavier armor. I was able to use these bigger swords and things and, uh, you know, be able to use the skills I'd picked up from, you know, doing the other job classes. So it's, it's kind of like this game takes the ideas of, um, you know, in some RPGs, like let's use Dragon Quest for example, where in certain Dragon Quest Dragon games, Quest you, know, if you master certain <laughs> job classes, um, or you learn different abilities in job classes, and you and you switch over to another one. Most of the time, those skills will still carry over for you. So, it, it's kind of a, a take on that, but just with more of like the armor selection and uh, some of the uh, other activities you can do besides you know combat related stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, you mentioned Rune Factory. That's exactly why I got this game to begin with. Um, I mean, I'd always liked Harvard's Harvest Moon around Harvard's the turn of the moon. century. Harvard's Moon. It's always <laughs> better when you're in college, man. Especially if you're at Harvard. Um, but like, I, I that was my gateway into these kind of games was Harvest Moon. And then when I saw well, ten years later or whatever um, that they were making Rune Factory, that was like Harvest Moon plus some light battling. I'm like, awesome. And then you know, you move from the DS to the 3DS, and all of a sudden it's like, hey, you like that? Why don't we uh, cut out the whole farming stuff and j- just focus on, you know, gathering and gathering resources and battling, but in a light, fun way. You know, this is no Dark Souls or anything. Um, it's almost like what a Zelda, a light Zelda experience in terms of uh, battling and whatnot. Yeah, it, it definitely feels like um, just for having played some of the like the more action heavy focused ease games like the later ones. It's nothing that's going to be like as crazy fast paced as those can get. You know, this is one mm-hmm. that, you know, um, just speaking from my own experience with not having too much experience with action RPGs is a really good one if you're like new to that sort of genre because it eases you into that. And, um, you know, combat, it, 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 there are some enemies, you know, they're going to be tougher, but you, I never felt when playing it that I was, like, overwhelmed by, like, how fast combat was moving or I had to learn, mm-hmm. like, all of these intricate button combinations or nothing like that. Usually it's just, you know, you know, if you have your weapon, you have a button to push to swing it. If you have a, like, you can use your R button or something. If you have a shield, you know, hold that up to protect you. So, you know, it's, pr- it's pretty easy to understand it. I didn't mess with the magic stuff, so I don't know how that works, but... Um, you know, I imagine it's like the same sort of thing. Clyde, do you play? Did any of you guys mess with the magic stuff more? Like, is it just as simple as like you cast a spell and touch something on your touch screen or something? Oh yeah, it, it, it's just as um, light and easy. You know, you, you you walk around with your staff, cast a fire spell or whatever. Um, and like even more so than you, I am not an action RPG person. And which we'll get into the DLC later. I took every job class up to god tier. I did all the side stuff all the everything and uh it, it some of the some of them are uh dragon quest 90 definitely you can feel the uh same dna there with like hey you know what go kill five slimes with only a poison needle or something like that there are some of these uh kind of requests like only use fireballs and go kill a fire spirit or something like that they get a little harder to do but i mean not nothing's really like you said you you don't have to learn all the button presses all the special attacks all the everything it's a chill as chill as a probably an action rpg could get Mm -hmm. yeah definitely feels like one that's easy to pick up and play for a little while too because like gosh what was it like i remember i got this game i think it was at christmas like a a year or two after it come out or something because you had told us so much about it platy on the um dragon's den Mm -hmm. and elsewhere 
just you know hearing you talk about it a lot it's like hey, you know i kind of want to check this game out you know see how it is and um you know the nice thing is with it being pretty easy to uh, pick up and play you know do a little bit here and there you know it worked out pretty well because you know christmas time you're pretty busy uh you know i i did take it with me to christmas eve then or uh, to christmas um evening like for you know with my family and stuff but it was just a good one like if i just was like real quick wanted to like just do a bit of the blacksmith stuff or if i wanted to go out and like it's like, oh, hey, there's this monster out in the field. You want to go try and kill it? It's like, oh, yeah, sure. I'll go do that, like, real quick, you know. It takes, like, five five minutes or so, you know. Pretty easy to get in and out of the game. So that that I appreciate it, too. Yeah, I mean, th- this game is... It's funny that it, it's so... I keep thinking of it paired with Dragon Quest IX so much. These are my top two games on my 3DS. These are the top two games over the past 13, 14 years. Well, I guess it wouldn't be that long for... 10 years ago, I guess, the 3DS came out. Whenever I got the uh, 3DS, when it launched, this and Dragon Quest IX are my two most played games on there by about 20 or 30 hours. It's well into the hundreds um, for each. And honestly, I think the Dragon Quest IX one was multiple playthrough, where this is just straight through 130 hours or so. Um, I got hooked into all of it. I mean, I liked the combat. It was easy enough for me to do, so I I was like, oh, I, I, I'm not that good, but I can do this. Um, but then also all the crafting. I, I do love me some crafting games. And this was more than just uh, the crafting pot. You didn't just throw a couple things in there and boom, something came out. Uh, if you were a tailor, you had to make clothes. And if you're the blacksmith, you had to make take ore and put it into, you know, weapons and different things. The carpenter, you were always making furniture for requests and for your own houses and whatever. The woodcutter was taking raw trees and cutting it into um, planks of wood to be then used by the carpenter. The miner was out there getting ore that would be smelted into blocks. And, you know, and then same thing with the fishermen's getting fish for the cook to cook and the alchemist, all that Mm -hmm. stuff you were collecting. But all the little any, anytime you're doing alchemy or making something, there was a little mini game with it. You know, you had to tap to the beat or stop something on a bar or whatever. Mm-hmm. I can't remember all the different ones. Uh, they were all pretty similar. But holy cow, just the simplicity of that just added to my love for crafting. And that's, that's why I went through every life class. I don't I don't know how many you did, Yangus. I went through all 12 life classes. I bought the DLC, which had a whole nother tier of challenges for the life class. And I 100%ed 10 out of the 12 jobs all the way up through God class, God tier. And I want to say it was the Magician and one other battle-focused one that I still to this day are like one or two challenges away from mm-hmm. completing. Dang, so dude. I like, that's, that's hardcore. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah! I lived if, my you fantasy life. Platy, if, if you ever hear Platy say that this is one of his favorite games, he definitely means it. And, you know, I for, have, as long as I've known Platy <laughs> too, um, just just speaking I, from being a, your friend for as long as I have, you know, this game really sucking him in as well as it did. It's like, man, that you know really clicked well. <laughs> Usually, like, I, well, we've talked about it with like the Bravely Default. You know, get to the first inning, it's like, oh, okay, <laughs> done. <laughs> I saw credits. Yep, I, I saw credits. Me, which is not nope. me throwing shade, but that's, I just, you know. No, no, you're right. I, I don't. Like, I see those credits, and I'm like, cool, I'm done. Or, you know, even Dragon Quest Nine or the Dragon Quest games. I will try to do a lot, or almost all the mini side quests and everything, but there's just some I don't get to, and like, eh, you know, it's fine. I got I got 10 or 12 sitting in my list of stuff to do. It, it's no big deal. Um, I, I love this with Level 5 and Yokai Watch. I was... You start off and you're doing all of it. After a while, you're like, okay, I'm ready to... The plot's going. I'm ready to just stop checking off boxes and just 
go with the plot. Nope, mm-hmm. I, I went with the plot, but I checked every box along the way in this game. Um, definitely what I would consider the game that I have put the most effort into doing everything. Mm-hmm. Well, definitely, like, t- to me, that definitely says, like, you know, the game really clicked with you. because, um, And it just shows that you ha- you, know, you were having a constant amount of fun with it i don't really know how to better way to put it than that but you know i think if a game can do that or you want to keep revit or you can you know keep replaying it or like you know want to keep going more and more you know with what opens up to you or if you're like oh well, you know i haven't done this part of the um or this job class yet let me go work on this one for a while and you and you know you have that drive that you want to do it i mean to me that shows like you know the devs did a good job with their game design and you know how they presented everything to the player yeah but um Linda, what about you, you guys? Played this too, right? Yeah, oh, you, yeah. What do you guys think? Platt and I have been doing a lot of the talking for this one. <laughs> um, for me, I actually, for the most part, have all the classes up to death at the very least. So, like, I last checked, I was actually trying to get to Alchemist to Master from Adept and everything. But uh, most of my classes that are Master are the ones I enjoyed the most. Um, first off was Angler, and I stayed Angler forever. Because <laughs> I, I, I judge every game that has a fishing game by their fishing game. There you go. There you go. <laughs> that's, that's fair. That's fair. If it doesn't have a good fishing mini game, it's not worth my time. Um, <laughs> uh, then after Angler, I went to Miner for a long time. And then Woodcutter, because if I love I love cutting wood in games, too. I don't know why. It's just a really relaxing thing. Mm-hmm. Like, when I'm playing Minecraft or something, I'll just sit there and cut wood all day and replant trees and cut wood all day. You know, it's funny you say that, too, because, like, I just from speaking from my own experience with, like, Dragon Quest Builders, I found that the most relaxing, just collecting, like, all the dirt or, you know, oh, finding yeah. all these things out there, and then you, like, craft them into better materials. So I, I totally get what you mean. It's kind of a relaxing experience. It's just a brain-off and, activity yep. that's just fun. <laughs> Yep. And who the hell was making fun of me for wanting to chop down trees today? Is that Pendy? I'm calling you uh, out, Pendy. I don't. I don't know. It's like Pendy and Aust or something. I mean, I mean, well, I no, I wanted calling... to chop down Aust tree. Oh yeah. Well, I was singing a lovely song about you in the Discord because you, <laughs> yes. you know, you're a lumberjack. a lumberjack. You're okay. You sleep all night. You work all day. You know, that nice, honest work. Yeah. <laughs> but the only combat class I mastered was Hunter, just because I wanted to keep that way if I have to go fight for anything for the previous classes that are just purely crafting based mm-hmm. that's what I did and yeah, Alchemy is the one that I always had trouble collecting for because it requires a little bit of everything and it's annoying yeah, you gotta get yeah, that was you the one the I remember drops. having the most trouble with Other than that, oh, sorry, sorry, play. what were you saying? Sorry. Sorry. Oh, I said, yeah, Al- Alchemy, like Lendar was saying, you got it's a little bit of everything. You got monster drops, you got the gathering, and, you know, a little bit of luck, a little bit of just wander around everywhere. Insane. Otherwise, if you get, like, the miner done, the, the woodcutter done, the angler all mastered, you, you have blacksmith, carpenter, and cook all on easy mode, and then Taylor comes with woodcutter. Mm-hmm. It's just really fun. I've never beat the game, though, so <laughs> I never finished the story. You, yeah, there's you a lot got do. everything up, but you never actually. That sounds like, uh, yeah, I've done that in games before. <laughs> I definitely didn't do it in, in Fantasy Life, though. I think I got two or three of them up to about as high as they could go in um, the normal game because I never got the DLC, but I never really went past that. Did you roll credits at least, though? Oh yeah, I did. I did finish the game. Mm-hmm. And that, that's something cool about the game too. You don't want to master. You don't want to mess around with all twelve different ones. Who cares? You know, do a little bit of cooking or whatever on the side, so you have some ingredients. You have some money, and then just yeah, master a couple combat ones. Yeah, and uh, yeah. beat the story. Yeah. I will admit, 
the most why most of my time I never finished it is because I always co-op the whole game with my wife. Ah. So whenever because like, you can't really do co-op on story mode, so we would just do the, co- the crafting and everything together and just have fun that way. There you go. Yeah, I it is. It is the nice. The opening credits on this game. <laughs> Those are the best ones. <laughs> yeah, it's got that opening cinematic and everything. So nice. Which that is actually um, something we were talking about a little bit before we started recording. Um, it's funny with this game having fantasy in the name because there are some people who worked on Final Fantasy that also worked on Fantasy Life. Uh, we were talking. Huh. I uh, mentioned. I didn't um, know that. Really? Mm-hmm. I didn't yep. know that either. So. Um, I had uh, mentioned this before we started recording, like I said uh, a little bit ago, but uh, the person who was behind the soundtrack for this game was uh, Nobuo Uematsu, who, you know, composed a lot of the Final Fantasy music. It was a Square Enix for a long time. And I really enjoy his music in this game. It's very, like, uh, cheerful and goofy. But I think that's when Tor- or, uh, I was gonna say Toriyama, uh, when Uematsu's music is sometimes at its best when he does, like, the more, like, chipper, upbeat sort of songs that he does. Because you have some really goofy ones. Like, all of the job classes have their own, like, uh, unique vocal track, which we've, I, th- I don't know, <laughs> I don't remember if I said it or not, but to me it sounds like people, we, we said that it sounded like people who are, like, on Oktoberfest or something, like, singing these polkas and things <laughs> oh yeah um, every time you max out or you got to get the you get the job level to some certain level it's not maximum and it's definitely not the dlc but you, don't you roll credits like 12 times i think a little bit or is it just I, the song that plays i think it's just the song if i remember right like you get to a certain level and it's like hey congratulations you know Master. you've reached like this top rank so you know, then they play this like little like celebration song for you. Like each class has its own uh, song, which is really funny. But um, uh, yeah, so you have uh, Uematsu who did the music, and I don't know if he did a lot of the artwork for the game, but um, Yoshitaka Amano, who did artwork for Final Fantasy, he actually, if you look at the game's uh, logo, I don't know if it's in both the English and Japanese one, but if you look at its logo, you look closely at the characters. They actually. Uh, that was drawn by Amano, the game's uh, logo and the characters on the logo. Because if you look at them, they actually do have sort of the same facial design that he did for some of his Final Fantasy work. Like mainly for like the human characters, like um, a protagonist like um, like Cecil, Zayden, to name a few. Hmm. It, I had it. no idea. I really yeah, I know. It's crazy, isn't it? Because, <laughs> um, gosh, what was it? There was one time where I started the game up, and I was looking you know, at the startup screen. It lists some of the credits for people. And I'm like, Yoshitaka Mono. Wait a minute. So I looked it up. I'm like, that is the Final Fantasy guy. <laughs> I don't know how much other involved. I don't know how much involvement he had besides that particular piece. But, yeah, there were a few people that worked on the Final Fantasy series that at least played somewhat of a part in this game. So it was kind of funny then seeing that it had fantasy in the title. It's like, hey, there we go. <laughs> I only work on games that have fantasy in the title. Well, <laughs> That's part of their contracts. <laughs> yep. I mean, but, the yeah. artists... The artists for the game uh, did work on Dragon Quest Nine and Yoke, all all of Professor Layton and Yokai Watch. Well, there we go. <laughs> That's some Square Enix ties in there too with the the Dragon Quest Nine connection. <laughs> and I mean, you, but, I, just looking at it, like so I'm scrolling through jobs now, and like, yeah, I can like this is definitely level five. Like I could, I played enough level five stuff that if just looking at this, I'm like, oh, I can see. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, like they definitely. I think that they. Visually, I think this game looks really nice. You know, it definitely has that cartoony style to it. And I think it's a stylistic choice that really works because, um, you know, even for it being, you know, on on the 3DS, you know, that visually it still looks, you know, really appealing. There's nice bright colors. 
you know, characters have very cartoony proportions to them. You know, some characters, you know, like they're like the big hulking guys or there's ones that are uh, I forget their names, but there's like the two like um, kind of trickster sleazy brothers. Like one of them looks like he has like a moon for a face, like just because how his hair is and how his chin is. So there's some hmm. there's some fun designs, both for uh, human characters and uh, for monsters and stuff. But um, I got nothing else on this game unless you guys have anything Let's else. You Blue want Star, to did in. you ever play this one? I have not. That's what I meant when I said I haven't even rolled the opening credits. <laughs> <laughs> so what were we talking about back in February? You know, the games I love to hate. And, <laughs> you know, if not for this game, if not for this game, I never would have bought Ever Oasis to begin with. <laughs> but also, oh, if not for the 140 hours and the love I had for this game, I probably would have enjoyed Ever Oasis better. You know, not going into it thinking it this is the next fantasy life. See, I don't I don't know that that's the argument that you think it is. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it it goes both ways. Like one, I you know, I love fantasy life and when I saw credits and the Nintendo uh, direct about um not credits, but like gameplay footage and the Nintendo Direct about Ever Oasis, I was like, ooh, that seems like, you know, build the town, do this, go out with different peoples, adventuring, some light action RPG. Like, yeah, that's like fantasy life. And it was not. <laughs> Can I just say, though, that the mercenary guildmaster, he could just easily be Ragnar. Dude, he is the, be- <laughs> he is the best of all of the... the <laughs> that's why I'm like, well, crap, I wish I would have known he was the mercenary guy. I would have started as mercenary. <laughs> And really, that job class, I, I love it that they just like their weapon of choice are like these gigantic two handed swords. It's like, here's your guild master who is this, um, you know, the scrawny little skinny guy who looks like an older version of Dick Dastardly from the Wacky Races. And um, he, the, he just runs around wielding this gigantic sword. <laughs> He's got like little toy guns. <laughs> I was and waiting like, for him to like like I'm I'm a sucker for it when a game lets you use like a gigantic sword just because you know how stupid it looks because it's like oh, cool. let's see am I gonna pick this smaller easy to use sword am I gonna pick this big ass two handed sword that <laughs> you know I can swing it around it's gonna you know send people flying if I hit them with it uh, I'll take the big one please <laughs> yeah, just checking my save even though I mastered uh, archer I'm using a great sword. <laughs> 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 but with archer armor, so so I'm using leather armor and a great sword. But yeah, I, I've been I was waiting for the whole entire game for the mercenary guildmaster. Like we must save the Byrons. <laughs> he, he he was he was the best, definitely, because he's just he's so. so was dram- it? Oh, go ahead, keep going. Uh, I was just gonna say he was just always so like over dramatic on everything, you know. He to me he reminded me of like not necessarily in his speech, but just the way he acted was like this is what a Shakespearean actor would be like outside of the theater. <laughs> just like everything is so exciting. <laughs> what were you gonna say, Plan? So oh, so we were talking about like the job classes and as you move up, you start as a novice, there's fledgling apprentice. Woo. Adept, expert, master, and then the DLC one is... Oh, wait, no, there's hero on top of that. Then there's the DLC demigod ones. And they all have challenges and basically like side quests that you need to do to level up to the next one. Although you don't have to do all of them, if I'm not mistaken. Because each one of the challenges levels, uh, each challenge has a certain number of points. And you need to get to a certain number of points to rank up from like, you know expert to master and master to hero and stuff like that um 
but I mean, some of them have like 12, 13, 15. I'm looking at the mercenary right now. As a master mercenary, there is probably 20 different kind of things that you can go do um, that get you points along the way. But I, I want to say, um, we were talking about that earlier, like if you get past the add-up level, then you can take, you know, you could start walking around as a fisherman with a two-handed sword. <laughs> Yeah, And it's nice, too, that when you make progress in the different job classes that, you know, some of the NPCs from that particular uh, guild or something that they'll then offer to join up with you if you, um, you know, go out into the world. Because you don't have to be solo. You can also get some NPCs to team up with you Mm -hmm. and, like, follow you around. Because I don't remember his name, but I know I did that with the mercenary where there's this young, like, cadet guy or, like, a newbie like you. He's like, you know, I'm trying to, you you know, make a name for myself and stuff, you know, but I'm not really good at this. So you can choose to team up with them like after you help them on one of the side quests or something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't remember exactly how it worked, but I just know that as you made progress with some of the um, uh, classes that you would be able to then, you know, get some uh, NPCs to help you. Uh, maybe maybe there were some in some of the other towns, too, but I remember for sure, like from being in like a castell at the beginning of the game, that there were a few of them that would, you know, if you just go to the right area, it's like, oh, hey, you want me to, you know, join up with you, you know, follow you around. You can tell them yes or no. And I think it's you can have like two other party members. So there's uh, three of you walking around, I think. I don't remember for sure. It's been a while. Yeah, and you, you got to do that towards the beginning because when you're, if you want to start off as a uh, woodcutter, you're not going to mm-hmm. be, you know, rocking the enemies like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was definitely helpful with doing the the blacksmith job class because, um, you know, when I started that out, it was just, you know, not really having the best of weapon and armor choices. But I had an option. I think it was a gal that could use some magic. So, you know, she could do a lot of the damage while I would go in and, like, you know, do, like, some, like, quick little hits or something. You know, just do some light damage. But she would, like, you know... Throw a fireball or something, bam, she does, like, the most damage. So, yeah, you got plenty of options for how to approach tons of things with this game, and I think that's pretty cool. All right, I think... Oh, go ahead, Brian. Oh, excuse me. Oh, it was Len- <laughs> Yeah. It um, was not me. Sorry. What I do love about the game is also that all the hidden, like, NPCs that would actually add on more challenges for while you go. Mm-hmm. So, like, if there, there's if there are certain ones, they would give you, unlock you more challenges for your class. So, if you did do some things and you needed a little bit more push of a boost, it was really fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, and this is a game, I, I wonder, what, like, how long to beat says about this. Yeah, I'd be curious about that because, I mean, there's tons of stuff you can do to, you know, get sidetracked by, you know, whether you choose to be or not. Wow. So, main yeah. story, 31 hours. Main uh, plus extra is 68. And then uh, completionist, 157. I, I can I can tell you, like, I, I, I'm going to if I sat down and actually finished the last couple things, I would complete that at about 120, 130. So or maybe 140. So it, it, I, I believe these times there's. Quite a lot of leisure time, 278 yep. hours. <laughs> I could believe yeah. that because if you took a lot of time, like going and talking to NPCs and stuff, that's, you me. know. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's a wide world. And, mm-hmm. you know, hey, yeah, it's surprisingly you, deep, too. Is There's a lot of stuff to it. There really is. If you were someone who uh, was uh, all excited about playing Dragon Quest Nine as an action RPG with your buddies, uh, you know, co-op, you obviously didn't get the chance to. Because it was turn-based, maybe you should try out Fantasy Life. I mean, the director of Nine was also—I mean, <laughs> was also the director for this. Yep, there you go. Yep. So this game's better. I don't know who said that. That's weird. Bernie talking again. <laughs> I well, you I, know, I don't disagree. <laughs> yeah, no. Like, if I had to write right now, it'd be this. <laughs> All right, but 
we need to talk a game that Brian is currently playing. He uh, started up to get ready for this podcast, and it's the game that started this podcast idea. So, Blue Star, um, you are a colored thing in the sky. What about some other (laughs) colored things in the sky should we talk about? Uh, what kind of transition is what that? What a great... Wow. Nice segue. <laughs> dark clouds. Why don't we talk about ah. dark clouds? We've had blue stars and dark clouds. Colored things. Thought, are guys. What about... What about... Whole, I thought you were going to bring in the whole thing about how I apparently like my men dark, cloudy, and roguelike. But somehow <laughs> that was worse. <laughs> uh, uh. What about uh, Well, I mean, that would be your fantasy life, wouldn't it? Now, <laughs> there we go. I got all four of them in there. There we go. Okay. So, go, uh, yeah, go ahead with that. The first dark cloud. Well, so uh, when when we logged onto this, I realized that none of us wrote any notes in the script. Uh, so I made the note under the plot section that we have no notes. So someone could say it's about a mouse destroying the world, and no one would know the difference. <laughs> um, that sounds like a great game. Can we talk about that one? So this is more like a, a dark version of Dragon Quest VIII with the bad mouse? <laughs> Just Munchie's Rampage? Munchie's Rampage. <laughs> I love it. Let's talk about that game. That sounds great. So actually, the game uh, <laughs> had this really cool glove. I thought you were going to talk about his really cool hat. No, this game is about a boy with a really cool hat that looks like he has a watermelon on his head. Um, mm-hmm. I'm actually not sure how the hat keeps its shape, but he does take it off in the game, and it's it, it seems pretty solid. I have a um, comment about that hat. Go for, for it. For 20 years, because of the uh, box art on that game, uh, you know, on, on for the cover of Dark Cloud, because he's got that tan wrap that goes around the sides to, I guess, tie it to keep the shape. On the box art itself, those tan the tan wrappings makes it look like he has elf ears. So I was forever for years. Oh, yeah. I was I was like, is this some like Hyrule bullshit? Is this some elf boy rebuilding a town? And no, he doesn't have pointy ears. I've been lying to myself for twenty years about that. So in other words, you were thinking more along the lines of Dragon Quest Seven and Hobo Hobo Link. Yes, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> because I booted the game up. I booted the game up, and I was like, he doesn't have pointy ears. It was his hat all this time. <laughs> Jeez, Perurian's hate for Zelda runs deep. So much so, he nearly never played Dark Cloud. I actually don't know what tan things you're talking about. Um, I'm going to have to look that up. However, ear flaps. <laughs> actually, actually going to the plot. The game yeah. opens on a storybook, and the story details... Basically, it says there was a book found that talks about a world with two two moons and the adventures of a young boy. And it basically says, you know, do you believe in the story of the book? This is the story of an adventure of the adventure of the boy named and you get to name your main character Um, the main. The the default name is Tone. So we'll probably use that when we were going when we're going through this. Mm -hmm. I just see a picture of the tan wrapping things. I, I don't know that I see it, man. Um, uh, okay, maybe. It looks like he has pointy ears. It definitely looks like he's got pointy ears. But when you, when you, when you look closer, you can see his ears, so, you know. (laughs) I I think it's a little bit of a stretch, but okay. Um, 
And it basically opens up, you're a boy living in, you know, sort of a small town, you're having dinner, there's a girl who comes up to you and she's like, hey, we have to go to the festival. And, you know, you go outside and the town's having a festival, everyone's dancing, and then, uh-oh, there's this big evil thing in the sky that suddenly, so, so suddenly he started blasting. And basically a giant windmill falls on top of you and everything goes black. Um, you wake up then, by some old guy saying, hey, hey, hey. And he introduces himself as the fairy king, which I know of another fairy that says, hey, 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 listen to me. Hey, um, but that is not this fairy. <laughs> he, doesn't look very, he doesn't look very fairy-like either. He doesn't, but he does introduce himself as the fairy king. Um, and he basically gives you the knowledge that he saved everything in the town just before it was destroyed by essentially sealing it away in a bubble. He then gives you this magical stone called the Atlamelia that he says can release these things from those bubbles. So essentially, you go dungeon crawling, um, randomly generated dungeon floors, you're going around collecting all of these things and basically putting the world back together. Uh, so you, you, you do that through a bunch of different towns, meet a bunch of different people, get new allies to join you on your quest, and battle some pretty rad monsters and get some pretty rad weapons along the way. I, I do want to make the comment that, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I, I feel like I remember the Fairy King basically going, normally we don't like humans, but I liked you, so I saved the towns. Something a lot, yeah, that sounds, that sounds about right. Which is just like, thanks. <laughs> But hey, I like the roll. ambiguity over the pointed or rounded ears. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> the whole blue dress, gray dress. It was either blue and black or white and gold. Are you oh, gonna sorry, make the sorry. reference? Make the reference correctly. Um, so Fairy yeah, King probably... just wanted to know. It's either, I don't know if it's round or it's pointy, but I can't let this dude die or I'll never know. So I actually think one of the reasons that I don't see the pointy ears is because this is actually one of the very first games that I played. So I think I've mentioned on the podcast before that I got Dragon Quest Eight for $8 in the bargain bin at GameStop when I first inherited my PS2 from my uncle. Mm -hmm. um, Dark Cloud was one of the games we bought at the same time. Mm -hmm. So I kind of started and got introduced to both of them at the same time. Of course, I was like, I was, I was really young and not super well coordinated at the time so it was actually my dad who started playing these games and i watched him for the most part um but there was actually a time when we got dark cloud and dragon quest 8 mixed up i think it was dark we'd started dark cloud first and then another day my dad comes in and puts dragon quest 8 in and he's like wait this isn't the game where i was running around in the cave which <laughs> one was that uh so yeah this this game has a very special place in my heart right up there next to Dragon Quest Eight. The irony being the first place you go in Dragon Quest Eight is running around in a cave. This is true. true, but there's <laughs> there's some extra steps to get to the cave in Dragon Quest Eight. True, true. There's an overworld, which there is not in Dark Cloud 2. You are in you're in the town or you're in the dungeon at all times. Or not Dark Cloud 2, sorry, Dark Cloud. There's no overworld in Dark Cloud 2 either, spoiler alert. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> I was just making a blanket statement. I cover both now. No, so let's, let's talk about everybody's favorite character, Goro. <laughs> Goro is oh, my yes. least favorite character. He sucks. That's he's my so brother. Leave him alone. So I was going to say that is he. He's a little Yangus, all right. That's my as I, as I was saying in the group in the text chat. Uh, that's my brother that my parents threw out. You know, there's too many mouths to feed. My parents going to ha handle you know two boys with a big appetite. So. They throw him out into the woods. He's raised by bears, which is why he's wearing one. Which is 
<laughs> now, it's a number- very dark version of the um, uh, Gabo story from Dragon Quest Seven. I mean, it's not entirely wrong. He comes from a village of hunters, and everybody in that village, their clothes are basically taken from their strongest kill. So it's See? kind of a. It's kind the- of a. Uh, yeah, it's great. It's a status symbol. Yeah. I like how the mayor, ha- he has like the biggest bear wrapped around him. It's, it's even lion, bigger than I him. Think. Is it it's a lion? lion. Actually, it's all in. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the that's the um, town that I'm working on right now because I'm, I'm still in the Wise Owl Forest, which is my favorite part of the game so far. It is fantastic. I love forest dungeons. I love mystery dungeon games, which this basically is that. Yep. And um, I like how in every does I think it shows up in every level, but you may not always have the item to get it. But it's to go to the stronger like back portion of the level to get stronger items. Yes. And I love how they're done in each one. So as Blue Star was saying earlier, you're going to procedurally generated dungeons and uh, each one. There's always like a set amount of enemies. There's probably like four or five rooms with long corridors between them, like a mystery dungeon title. Um, Is there? Treasure, there's treasure chests, but some of them need keys to open. Some are trapped, but as well, Brian just you can you can use a key to bypass the trap, or you can just be like, I'm gonna force it open. That's uh, true, and do it that take, way anyway. Take Which, the by poisoning. the way, if you ever no, you always choose explosion because if the chest explodes, you can't try again. But if you get poisoned, you can try again, and the trap oh, is still poisoned, and you can still guess oh. it. That's so a, you that's always a good, guess explosion. A hot tip from our dark cloud master. <laughs> yeah, that that blue star up behind the dark clouds knows what she's talking about. <laughs> I have, but yeah, I have, yeah. So I, I've, yeah, I've not managed to lose to one of those chests yet. I always seem to guess right. <laughs> so in in the owl forest, is it? Do you have to ride on a little raft of a it's leaf, a leaf boat? boat? Yeah, leaf you have boat. to. Yeah. Leaf boat. I remember you gotta that. Use the, you got to use the item to grow the leaf boat to go to the back area. I remember, mm-hmm. it's perfectly folded. <laughs> <laughs> it grows in just the perfect way but yeah so it, it's like every mystery dungeon floor has a like like you're saying has like a reverse image kind of one or an alternate one and there's usually better drops there and yes there are enemies. absolutely better drops there that's where you can get really good weapon attachments and yep. i think there's a higher chance of a weapon dropping the monsters are also all stronger and you get mm-hmm. so i think they hit twice as hard and you get twice as much experience for it um so if you have the item to actually go back there it's definitely a good choice to do so because especially starting out um you start out with some really really bad weapons you really do you really do they're so bad they're really bad um i'm dealing with that with goro right now he's the worst one it gets better from then on out yeah um but uh definitely the first thing that you want to do is to try to find a viable weapon in a chest which gets a little bit interesting because there are a couple mechanics in dark cloud that are not very uh, how do i say they're, they're very unique they're not happy time in, in the in the fact that yeah no one ever wanted to try them again because it wasn't a great idea um so the first one is that your weapons have health in dark cloud and if you use them enough they break and i mean that's pretty standard you know that kind of thing happened in breath of the wild too breath of the wild though it made a little bit more sense because you know if something breaks in breath of the wild you just like pick something else up up off the ground and start using that to whack things um dark cloud because 
the leveling system, your characters don't actually level up. Instead, you're spending all of your time strengthening your weapon. So you put all of this time and effort into upgrading the stats on your weapons, and then you're smacking a statue with it, and all of a sudden, uh, it breaks. It's gone forever. Have fun. Um, now, am I crazy in thinking that different enemy types can do more or less damage to a weapon? Because I swear when I was smacking yes, statues, yes. uh -huh. yes. yeah, it was taking Rocks more. Really, so yeah. actually, there, there are ranged weapons and melee weapons. Ranged weapons are nice because they always take the same amount of damage every time you use them. However, even if you miss, it still takes the hit. Melee weapons, you can swing them all out, all sw swing at the air all day long, and it won't take any damage. But, you know, swing it at a rock, it'll hurt a lot. Swing it at, you know, a bat, it won't hurt that much um so that's definitely something that you want to pay attention to it's not i it's it's an odd mechanic and it's not something that like i enjoy being a part of the game however it's not really that hard to work around um honestly if you're saving often and just keeping tabs on things there's also an item called auto repair powder that if you store it in your item bar it'll immediately repair your weapon if it breaks um so there's there's a lot of ways to avoid having your weapon break on you save scumming is a really good one <laughs> uh, <laughs> yep yeah definitely i i don't think i ever suffered the death of a weapon yeah, I, I never I never let that go. Like if it broke, it'd be like, nope, reset. I, I haven't had that happen yet, but I also don't save scum. But it's been very detrimental for me money wise because auto repair mm. costs 200 gold where just regular repair is 20. Yeah, so, well, so doesn't it beep annoyingly at you when it's getting low? It does. Yeah, yeah. Auto repair powder is something that you like buy one of and keep it in your hot bar for emergencies. But everything else you like, you want to keep trying to use regular repair powder as much as you can. Oh, so the mechanic of letting you escape the dungeon for free when, you know, all the monsters are clear off is put two steps back for me when you when you enter the back stronger area. And, you know, whether you decide to clear those monsters out or not. But if you come back into the main area or the main level and having cleared everything before, everything's repopulated. And I very much yep. did not like that. Yeah. Um, it, it, honestly, it, it's always good to go to the back area as fast as possible, which is almost never possible. Yeah. I don't, I like definitely it is a little bit of a pain. I found that I usually went to the back floor as the last thing. And basically, when I got back from the back floor, I would usually take the gate key that I had already gotten from going through the dungeon the first time and just run straight mm. to the exit and leave that way um but yeah def definitely that's something that you know it's it's like a 2005 game they're not all, not all the mechanics are going to yeah. be gems oh no um, no i i appreciate it for what it is definitely considering how old the game is it's pretty it's got some pretty interesting things that if i had played it when it was a new game i would never have seen this mechanic before and i would have mm -hmm. been intrigued by it yeah mm -hmm. So the, the other the other mechanic that is kind of a eh, maybe this wasn't the best design call is that your characters have a thirst meter. Um, and <laughs> essentially, as you're running around, they're the dungeon, thirsty. Yes, oh, they're yeah. very thirsty. Oh, yeah. Um, basically, your water meter starts to run out. If your water starts to run, if your water depletes all the way, your health starts to drain. So I guess it's kind of I think it's similar to the food mechanic in Caravan Heart to a degree. I you know what? Again, mystery dungeon. Most min yeah. mystery dungeon <laughs> games have a hunger meter. Yeah, that too. Torneco's always bringing around the bread. This this is why I never use the uh, bananas. 
because it's just <laughs> yeah. not worth it's just not worth worth the thirst depletion. It's, yeah, that's true. At, However, at least there are some pools of water around the yes, dungeons. They are yes, they're very generous with. I, I always called them waterfalls because they were actual waterfalls in the first dungeon, even though they're not waterfalls in any of the other dungeons. Um, but those are nice because they're you know it's a randomly generated dungeon, so you'll either like get three of them on one floor like right next to each other or none at all um but those are nice because they fully heal all of your thirst meter and they also fully heal all of your health so if you're having a bad day um you know you can always run back to the waterfall to sort of heal up and maybe try to take on that dragon from a different angle if if only the water also healed up your uh, poison status effect <laughs> yeah yeah Another fun thing say. is you got you have a very limited inventory. Maybe not very, but it's it's, 50, not, yeah. it's forty or fifty to start, and I think I'm currently expanded up to sixty items in my main inventory. Mm-hmm. I think the most it can get to be is like hundred and twenty. I want to say. Um. So it's. No, you got to make sure not, you got your poison healing and. Yeah, yeah. So it, there is a little bit of inventory management. However, I I never found it made the game unplayable. No, no, no. So that, it, it, that's way down the list compared to. You know, thirst meter and weapons breaking. It's weapons breaking is the is the big the big sad. Yeah. Um. So when a weapon breaks, it's gone for good. Is gone for good unless Ooh. it's one of unless it's one of the really bad ones you start with. Yeah, the default ones. Just, in which case, that just goes back to its basic form. So you lose any upgrades oh, you that, put on it. That knife. Yes, that yep, knife that. or that wooden slingshot or That's that right. mallet that you are having such a hard time getting Goro through his uh, limited floor with. Yeah, let's talk about limited zones. Oh, oh. limited zones. <laughs> so there, there's a couple of them that are sort of weird. Um, one of them is that you know, instead of gaining experience, you lose experience for killing enemies. There are workarounds for this. You can't lose a level. So if you get to that one of those kinds of floors, it's probably a good idea to equip a weapon that, you know, doesn't have any experience on it. Um, or you can also do a lot of sort of weird shenanigans with either switching the character that you're using, switching the weapon that you're holding before the... Ex- so after you kill the enemy, but before the experience sort of hits so you can you can save things like that but you're never going to lose more than one level so it's kind of a pain because you're not getting any any experience but it's not the worst thing in the world there are also zones where you get thirsty faster yay um i just that was the last one that i dealt with before the goro zone and let me tell you because I, i i had to go through it about three times because it would not spit out any rooms with uh water (laughs) and i couldn't defeat enemies fast enough to get one of the correct items to access the next level so i would have to uh lose half my money and run away i will say that one is a lot harder than two yes a whole lot harder wait what say that again for for status wise there's a lot more status effects in one than there is in two Oh, I oh yeah, okay, I'll give you that. Um, and most of the limited zones you'll find restrict you to using a specific character, uh, which hey, those let me, are... Let me play as Zhao all day long. Oh my gosh, Zhao is the best. Literally my favorite character as a kid. Um, Zhao is basically... She's got pointed ears. She does have pointed ears. <laughs> there we go. She's a cat that you take in, and you end up giving her a potion to change her into some cat-human-girl thing, and she says... You helped me, so I want to help you. Let's go on an adventure. And she follows you all across the world. (laughs) 
and yep. she's great with a slingshot, so you can do all sorts of things to bust enemies up from far away, being really safe about it. I love it. When I was when I was ten years old, that was the best. Um, say my favorite character is from chapter three, and she's very fun. She is also yes. very fun. That's my. However, favorite. Ruby. not a Ruby. not a cat, not a cat. I know, so. not a cat, but genie. <laughs> Genie, sure, whatever. Uh, not oh, a who's this Osmond guy? He looks cool as hell. I knew you were gonna like Osmond. Uh, Osmond. You gotta play the game to find out. Yeah, I'll get there eventually. Like, don't don't be afraid to like spoil stuff. It's a twenty year old game. Blow it wide open. I'll get there eventually. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I don't like about Ruby is the special doors that she has to get. That you have to go on first person mode and get exactly li- smacked on there. Yeah, uh, that that could have been handled a little bit better. Oh, that's right. Yeah, the, it's it's. Some of the, I forgot, some of the levels have specific mechanics where you have to use specific characters to access that mm-hmm. part of the level. Yep. Yeah, most with Ruby, she gets doors. Most of them are just opening opening doors. Yeah. It's just what kind of mechanism opens the door. Um, and Zhao can basically them, jump over. Yeah, none uh, of them jump. are as cool as hers. No, she, she, does, she does a flip. It's great. I don't even know the other three yet, but hers is already the best. It's the only one that you have to like go into a cutscene every time you want to cross it, which that gets a little bit annoying. But no one else does a flip, so it's true. She's very graceful. She is. She's awesome. She's my favorite. Um, so I guess another really cool thing about Dark Cloud is that you know obviously the Fairy King sealed all of the people and buildings of all of the towns into these bubbles called Atla that you have to find throughout the dungeon. So once you've opened all of these, you then have to put the town back together. Um, and so that's kind of cool because you'll you'll basically get a building, you'll get the people who are supposed to go in the building, you'll get some things like, you know, a door or a set of stairs or a lamp and things like that. And to a degree, you know, you got to ask people, hey, what do you want in your house? I'm like trying to do my best with this, but like I'm not I'm not like an overseer or anything. Um, so you just get to talk to people and, uh, you know, sort of figure out what they want, arrange things in the town the way they want. You know, people will say, I don't like those people, so I want to live far away from them. And that's a level of pettiness that I aspire to. So, (laughs) (laughs) Where they want their doorway to face the rising sun or... I want my house to be surrounded by water. Yep. That, I I, got to say, after doing the Mystery Dungeon thing and getting all of the Atla pieces and, uh, you know, checking checking the thing to make sure I actually had everything and wasn't missing anything hidden because I wasn't sure going in at least through the first dungeon, if it was going to be the case of, oh, like, there's a couple of Atla that are hidden and you have to do a special thing to find them. They just give it to you in all the levels. Which, I appreciate that. I appreciate that they didn't make me do extra work to complete the town. But I really loved talking to all of the uh, NPCs throughout the town and figuring out how to put the town back together. And if you put it back together in a way that makes everybody happy, you get some really cool gifts for it. So it's definitely oh, yeah. worth it to spend the time. Even just then you gotta go houses. search. You gotta go search the town then for little things. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh yeah, the yep. little treasure chests. Yep. Oh, Those yeah, also have very good things. weapon attachments and items to increase your max health and your defense and your thirst meters, so that you don't have to stay in the water for as long. Oh yeah, I was so happy every time I found a gourd. I'm like, okay, who do I give it to next? Who do I give it to next? <laughs> I always fed everything to Zhao because she's so easy to just run through dungeons with. <laughs> uh, yeah, because you got high 
between characters unless they're limited or locked out of the dungeon. So that, that's a way to get through the thirst thing, too, because you could have somebody that's really thirsty just switch to somebody else for the rest of that dungeon. Yeah, that's what I did a lot. I would I would just yeah, in, that th- in that thirst limited zone, I would just kind of pop back mm-hmm. and forth. So I would technically have two bars to work through. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you're only controlling one person at a time, but you can hot switch between these and you need to. You come to a door that can only be opened by magic, you know, you switch to Ruby. Um, You know, you got that little the rocks that cross the pond. Well, you need to have Jiao go hop, skip and jump it across. It took me about a third of the way through the forest to figure out that if you just press select, it pulls up the character switch instead of having to go through the menu to do it. <laughs> mm. That's a good so, find. So yeah. That was a good find because I'm playing it on the PS4 and it technically does have a manual that you can access, but it goes through the really cruddy web page for or web browser for the PS4 and I was just like, mm. screw this. Yep. So hey just I'm to jump in real quick. Out. Uh just to jump in real quick. I'm looking on my PS4 right now and both Dark Cloud one and two are on sale for fifty percent off. They're like seven fifty hey. right now. Hey, just hey, buy it right now. Yangus, you have to play these games. Yangus, how about you now, send me the money and then I'll buy it. I will send you yeah. the money right now. But then Yangus is going to have to go buy a PSN card, and by the time he does that, it'll probably all be gone. I got till June 2nd, it says. So you got a week. Yep. You give, me, give me the way to send you the money, and I will send you the money. <laughs> <laughs> I will send you this $15. Apparently. Oh, it, it, the Rogue <laughs> should be on sale then, too. I was going to say, yeah. So it, that, that's something to note um, right here as we're getting into our PS2 discussions, all three of our PS2 games tonight, uh, Dark Cloud, Dark Cloud 2, and Rogue Galaxy, were all very early on the PS2 on PS4 titles that they did. Because Sony owns them. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, gosh. I like to think that I helped getting Rogue Galaxy on the PS4 because I, for uh, yep, about Rogue two Galaxy years... 50% <laughs> for about two years, I consistently emailed level fives north american email address being like please put rogue galaxy on another system <laughs> but back to dark cloud because rogue galaxy yes. is later uh it does look like rogue galaxy is on sale for 50 percent off too so hey, there you go Lender, all three right now for seven fishing mini games since you talked um about oh like actually games. i was actually want to see if you want to talk about master utan <laughs> and how he oh. I, <laughs> he travels between both games. He does travel between both games. Uh, that's and Master Jurak? Or is it the Treant? Jur- it's Treant. Treant, in... yeah. It would one. And then Jurak in two. Yeah, but it's it's the same tree. Yeah. It's just crazy how, like, they're there, but the rest of the world from one is not. <laughs> but the moons are still there. Yeah. So, so... there's some crazy finagling there. <laughs> <laughs> but the fishing minigame for one, oh, yeah. I just loved what sitting there just casting out, watching the outlines of the fishies forever, and then just hoping that it was a big fish. Yeah, basically, it's a fishing minigame, but the minigame part is in air quotes because there's not there's not really a whole lot to no. do. It's it's kind of like fishing in Pokemon. You throw things out and hope, <laughs> and hope. And you see the bobber go under and you hit a button and, oh, hey, you got a fish. Um, but there are some rare fish that you can catch to get a lot of points. You can spend those points then on really good weapon attachments and even some weapons in some cases. But the weapon attachments are the better deal. Um, but yeah, power leveling in the end game relies on a lot of 
fishing for those special fish that only like potatoes. That's what I found. Yeah, uh, for the net. There's no other good way to get good weapon attachments. I sat forever trying to get a neggy. <laughs> <laughs> I guess neggy. it's uh, pure luck, or is it based on the bait that you use? It's based on the bait that you use. Some fish, it, the, the rare one that I'm talking about that only likes potatoes. Bearing, um, bearing. Yeah, it only comes out at a specific time of day in a specific spot. Um, ah. So so there there are some things there, but uh, from Dark Cloud 1 to Dark Cloud 2, it definitely earns its right as a mini game. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely a, kind of a fun part of the game. It's not not huge. You can definitely play the whole game without touching it at all. Um, I did it a little bit. I haven't messed around too terribly much with it because I was too busy trying to get as far as I could in the game before this podcast, which I feel like I made a decent... I made like 10 hours in, which is good for me to do inside a week. Mm -hmm. I will say, oh, I just remembered because you mentioned fishing, the how uh, King King Martin is also in one and two. Martin is just a fish you get from uh, Muscalaca. Yeah, the Martin Garyon... King Martin is like a special one of those, though. He's a lot bigger than yeah. the ones you can catch in Peanut See, I like to think that elves like to throw poison apples <laughs> <laughs> and just feed it till it got bigger and just couldn't leave its pond. <laughs> and then it moved to the forest somehow. Yes. I mean, it can wink. It can wink and do special things. I guess. I guess it can teleport that way. Uh, it's a magical fish. There's there's a lot of it's it's a 2001 PS2 game. There's you know a, what? There's a, lot of, there's a lot of plot holes, but dang, I love it anyway. You know, just for, just for this Dragon Quest podcast, I'll just say it, it uses Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> it's like an Asian carp. It uses Zoom whenever you see something flying at it. <laughs> So yeah, and then I also kind of wanted to talk about the post game, which the post game is, er, is uh, we'll talk about the end game first, because we mentioned the backfloor keys earlier, and it's actually kind of an interesting piece of trivia that the final dungeon, when they translated the game, they accidentally deleted the backfloor key as a drop in the last dungeon. So you'll see the backfloor door in the dungeon, but you will never get an item for it, ever. It's kind of sad, and kind of a big bummer. However, the English version did get an entire post-game dungeon with 100 floors, and that one does have a back floor key. So, Yay, silver 200 lining. floors. Wow. 200 floors. No, it's only 100. I well that but you've each you've got the back on each one, baby. Oh, okay. If you've got if you've got that many back floor keys, um I must be doing something wrong. So no, please. I never, I, I never <laughs> went very deep in that. I, I think I did maybe ten or fifteen. I think I got to floor forty before I burnt out. It's so many floors. Um, for, it, it is for reference. It's a hundred floors. The next big, the next longest dungeon in the series is the post-game dungeon of Dark Cloud Two, which is, I believe, thirty-eight floors. So there's a pretty big difference there. It's a big dungeon. Is it big in terms of each level is massive or just the number of floors? It's mostly the number of floors. There's not really a whole lot of, uh, I, I mean, it's kind of the same same dungeon sort of deal. I wouldn't say anything is much bigger than anything else that you've seen. The monsters are hard, though. You better get yourself that Dark Chronicle sword. <laughs> so you can get the Dark Chronicle, too. Or a tall hammer. Or a tall hammer. <laughs> Or a Berberian's favorite character. Last Judgment is the better way to go. I have no idea what I'm doing with the weapon stuff right now, except, like, get everything to plus five. 
break it and move it forward to a new weapon or something like that? I don't think there's a whole lot that you can do wrong. Um, but there are some weapons that come with specific skills. So you got the bandit slingshot for Zhao, mm-hmm. um, and that has steel on it. So when you're oh, I love enemies, that. It's, it's great. You can sometimes steal items and get bonus things, which a lot of the times is like water or bread or repair powder, things that are very, very useful. I, um, I love it because you, you hit, I'll hit something from super far away and then an item will jump into the air and float over to me and I have <laughs> stolen <Yeah>. the item. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's magical. So there, there are good effects that you can get on weapons, but there are also some bad ones. Um, so that's, that's kind of the thing to sort of be cautious of, which one of, one of the effects is that it makes you get thirsty faster. I haven't so, run into a negative utility attachment yet. So it's not none of them are attachments. These are oh. abilities that are innate to the specific weapon type. Gotcha. Okay, that makes sense. Because I was so, like, why would why would I get an attachment like that? I would never use it. Yeah. No, they're not attachments. Um, but you'll you can also get things that like heal you over time or absorb. HP as you attack enemies. That one's really good. You can because you end up doing a lot of damage in later game. Um, but there are also ones that make you get thirsty faster. I think I said that already. Or make your weapon more fragile and bad things. Ugh, more fragile. Like any that. Just I guess you could offset that by maxing out the endurance on it to a degree. To a degree, but endurance and weapon hit points don't—they're they're not a hundred percent correlated. There's some I, weird. There's yeah, weird I noticed it. I, I noticed it with one weapon I was using. I upped the endurance on one of the swords, and it did help me. It like made the the attack against a statue do like a point or two less damage, but it was still doing like four to five per hit compared to like you know five to seven before. Steve. So. Steve. <laughs> there is a slingshot named Steve in this game, and he talks. And there's right Super on. Steve. And there's Super Steve too. <laughs> it's 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 just the the little cute things like that in the game that make it really charming. And so you'll you know you'll find little things in the towns, like I mentioned with the hunters. Each uh, each villager has you know their best kill as their sort of clothing. So there's there's a lot of uh, just just a lot of cute little lore facts that come in through the world. Yeah. All right. So have we uh, have we expired our dark cloud talk and uh, want to move into the next? I want to gush about the soundtrack at some point. Oh, go ahead. Feel, gush about but, that now. But we can also gush about the soundtrack for Dark Cloud 2. Do you want to gush about the soundtrack twice? Yes. Okay, let's gush about the soundtrack <laughs> twice. <laughs> this is honestly one of the best video game soundtracks. I mean, between the two of them, I don't know that I necessarily could pick one or the other as like a better soundtrack but the two of them together, it's like, it's such a good soundtrack. Literally every single song is really good and just really pleasant to listen to or just really cool. And I, I, I love it. There isn't a video game soundtrack that I just find myself randomly singing more than this one. Not even Dragon Quest, which is saying a lot. Wow. See, like, uh, what I love about the, see, Dark Cloud 1 and 2 both have probably the most relaxing songs I've ever listened to. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and easily any of them can be just extended or just looped, and it's just like a perfect relaxing music to listen to. Though I do love the opening for 2 better. Play me Wise Al Forest all day long. I 
That, I love that so much. Oh, it yeah, gets better. It, for, it, it gets better from Wise Owl Forest too. Oh, yeah. Maybe it's not as forest dungeony. I'm like, I don't, I don't know. That the opening of Dark Cloud One is so good, though. I don't, I don't know oh, that I. I, can... I love the music that whenever the Fairy King shows up. You know that uh, kind of. Gosh, I don't even know what kind of instrument that is. But when whenever he shows up to give you his little tutorials and stuff, I, I really love that i would play that on loop that's like feel good music for me i'm like blanking a little bit on the actual tune but i actually probably because i'm actually thinking of the puzzle theme from professor layton because i'm pretty sure it's the same instrument it's a celeste um oh yeah i'm listening listening to the spirit king song and yes yes it's it's really 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 good (laughs) literally the whole thing is good just look for like a playlist of every song from Dark Cloud and listen to the whole thing. There are no bad tracks. I actually um, have a playlist. <laughs> <laughs> I have a playlist of Dark Cloud, Dark Cloud 2, and uh, Chrono Cross all together in one. I'm, I'm happy the rest of the time. <laughs> oh, that sounds really good. <laughs> I have, I mean, I have noticed consistently that Level 5 has had great soundtracks across all of the games that I've played with them. It's all the same composer. Except, obviously, you know, Dragon Quest, because that's Sugiyama. But, um, yeah, all of their own games, like this. I, I've even heard some of the uh, Inazuma 11 games have pretty fantastic soundtracks. Have you? It's that same composer. <laughs> Is it really? <laughs> yeah, Tomohito uh, Nashishira. Nashishira. Nashira. I might have to get uh, some of his music on CD or something like that, because it is... There's literally nothing from anything that I have heard from these games that I don't like. Hmm. Yeah, uh, he's also done uh, Rogue Galaxy. He also did Yokai Watch and Professor Layton. That's about all of them. Yeah. <laughs> did he do Nino Kuni as well, or was that someone else? That's uh... no, that's Joe Hisashi. Yeah, from okay. Gym- Studio Ghibli. I'm really bad with like names of composers and things like that. So I, yeah, that's okay. That, you know, Kuni's soundtrack too. is also great. Yeah, it helps that Joe Hisashi's been working in the music industry for a long time, so his music's pretty solid. Just about everything he does. I also even love like the more darker songs for Dark Cloud, especially like the King's Curse. Yeah. It's just like mm-hmm. a really good like bassy song that gives a sense of tension throughout the whole thing. Nice. I'm listening along as you guys keep dropping them in the chat. I They're all good. The, those are like the only things that I post in the music channel on the Discord is usually when I'm feeling I gotta listen to a dark, to a dark cloud song and then I listen to it and I'm like oh yeah I gotta share this with somebody and then I pop it in the chat <laughs> just start adding me I'll be happy oh, I'm at work. <laughs> sun and moon temple is a very good one that's one that sort of pops up in my head a lot how about the moon factory that's one of my favorites yellow drops theme yellow drops yellow drops and moon factory are two different things yeah. um <laughs> but yeah those are both very good as well all okay. right we ready now to move on to dark cloud 2 yeah, we can start gushing about the soundtrack again when we talk when we get when we get down to it. Um, so we go into Dark Cloud Two, and I guess I'll give sort of a synopsis again. Uh, we also have no notes for Dark Cloud Two written down, so we could totally say it's about a rabbit sending armies to destroy the world for him, and no one would know the difference. Um, but in actuality, it opens up with a boy named Max in sort of a bustling city, the kind that, you know, you don't really see in Dark Cloud 1. Uh, and it's the night of a circus. So he gets tickets to a circus. He goes, he sees it. Um, and in order to, you know, get a better look, he sort of does some climbing that you probably shouldn't do. 
you know, this is this is an employees only. Uh, oh, but okay, yeah, you're right. So he's going to the circus, and as he's actually turning, handing his ticket to the ticket master, that's not that's not what it's actually called, but uh, the the name is escaping me. Um, you need a ticket, oh, ticket then. Yeah. <laughs> a little red-headed boy comes in and snatches the ticket away from him. So you have to run around and try to catch this boy who stole your ticket. And you do eventually catch him. And Max looks at the ticket and he's like, you know, I can go see the circus next year. You can have this. Go have a good time. And then the little boy is like, huh, maybe you can handle this. Maybe I was wrong about you. And then he disappears and leaves the ticket. So then Max takes the ticket and goes to the circus, you know, like any normal person would do. Um, he ends up getting to a backstage area, overhearing some things that he was not supposed to hear. Um, they see the stone from his father that he is wearing around his neck, and they are like, we need to get that stone. And cue a chase scene through the city. You have clowns chasing you. It's a good time. It's really not a good time. Clowns chasing you is terrifying. And, you know, you essentially end up in the sewer just trying to hide from these people who are, you know, they came to town and now they're just chasing you down. Um, they also have a giant clown robot. You end up in the sewer and you... Wait, a clown robot? Clown robot. Mm. It's terrifying. Anyways, it is so cool. (laughs) (laughs) I should have prepared for these synopses better. Um, (laughs) So you're in the sewer, you realize why... Has nobody, like, had any contact with the outside world in a very long time? I really want to go see what is out there. And so, essentially, you're like, okay, the sewers connect to the outside. I gotta go see what's out there. And you go through the sewer. It's a randomly generated dungeon, exactly like the first one. Um, only there's no Atla, because the town hasn't been destroyed yet. So, you don't, you don't really have anything to rebuild at this point. However... When you get to outside, you then run into the little red-headed boy again um, after, you know, fighting off the clowns because you do get to beat the shit out of some clowns. Um, you find out that the red-headed boy is actually a girl named Monica. Monica says she's from the future and she came here because things got destroyed here that messed up her time and we need to put them back together in order to fix it. So you're kind of going across two timelines a hundred years apart to try to basically put things together in the past so that specific things happen in the future so that, you know, you can get back at this guy named Emperor Griffin who has basically been trying to destroy the world. Sounds like a bad time. It's actually a great time. I mean, it's it's a great it's a great time, but like yeah, not not for the world and the characters. Yeah, they have a rough time sometimes, but so that is that is one of the things that is a little different about Dark Cloud Two is instead of six characters to choose from with all different weapons, you only have the two. Um, but each of them have a melee and a ranged weapon. So Max fights with a wrench that he picked up out of a toolbox, which later you can upgrade to a hammer, and he also gets a gun. Monica fights with the sword and magic the same way Ruby does in Dark Cloud 1. So I haven't seen too terribly much of this game myself, um, but visually, I like what I see. I like the cell shading. I like cell shading a lot, and I feel like this game does it very well. Absolutely. It's one of those PS2 games that aged perfectly. Yeah, cell shading, it's very hard for cell shading to age terribly. I I can't think of a lot of games to where I look back at it and I go, oh, that's awful compared to... You know, 
what else was on the system at the time. But Dark Cloud 2 looks beautiful, and I can't wait to eventually get around to it. Yankus should ride. get around to it, too. It's 7.50 right now. Yeah, I, I already own yeah. both of them. <laughs> I bought both of them. Or I bought all the uh, the remaining like level 5 games when there was that announcement, I think, last year or the year before, to where they said they were shutting down the North American arm of level 5. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh no, I better get this stuff before they pull it from the store. Oh no! <laughs> and it's still here. Hey, that's okay. More people can get the game. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm just glad it didn't get pulled. And it is on sale. Go buy it. Go buy now. I just love the level, all the characters, and everything about Dark Cloud too. Just because you can recruit people for towns, you can uh, do mini quests of, like with the camera, which I love the camera system so much. The yes. ideas. Um, you take photos, you invent stuff. Only thing I don't like about it is that it, because with the camera system, you do have content and you can permanently miss. Yep. Yes, so that is something that I do recommend with this game is using using a missables guide. Oh, yeah. So there is miss. You know what? I kind of applaud games that have missable content like that. Yeah, I mean, it's optional stuff. It's not like, oh, <laughs> it, hey, you need to... It's not game-breaking. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. no, no, no. It's 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 not like you missed it now, so you can get it back in Chapter 13 when the whole world opens back up. Like, oh, no. No, it's gone. Oh, this is gone. Yeah, there's uh, certain animations that you have to take pictures of on bosses, and then if you kill the boss, of course, it's, uh, it's gone. Oh, those, okay. those get to be the bad ones. Like, yeah, take a picture of, yeah. Like with the first one, the Ooh. robot, the robot clown. If you miss that, he opens his eye sockets up and shoots rockets out of it, and you got to take a picture right there and then. Yeah, sure, you might get hit, but I mean, it's for the scoops. <laughs> <laughs> take one for the take one for the team, man. You get good you get a uh, good attachments for it, and oh, yeah. monster badges at the end, so it's worth it to do the camera quests. Absolutely. That reminds me of Cameron's Codex from uh, Dragon Quest Eight 3DS. This is, the, this is the OG Cameron's Codex. <laughs> there you go. Now, if only uh, Dragon Quest had golf. Ah, uh, <laughs> yes. I'm so bad at golf. <laughs> and, and it's roguelike golf. <laughs> so, so, and I think Chapter 3, they introduce a minigame called Speeda, which is basically, you know, the timeline is all messed up. So there are these distortions that are appearing, and each distortion has a sort of piece that comes off of it that if you can put the two back together, the distortion closes and everyone's happy. Um, However, the distortion is either red or blue, and in order to close the distortion, the sphere that you hit into it has to be the opposite color, and the sphere changes colors every time it hits a wall. (laughs) Yeah. Or just when it bounces. (laughs) <laughs> that too. Floors count as walls. Uh, so there, there are dungeons where it's really easy and, you know, you can just whack it for all it's got and, you know, you'll get really close. A lot of dungeons have a lot of out-of-bounds zones, which those are the bane of my existence because mm-hmm. I am very good at hitting things out-of-bounds and then losing the whole... And you, you have a limited number of shots to do this on each floor. And if you don't get it, all of it disappears and in order to, you know, try again to get the goodies from finishing speed on that floor, you have to redo the floor. In the chapter you get that in, well, uh, chapter three is probably the worst one to do it in. It is the worst one to do it in. All uh, those little islands. All the little islands and uh, big cliffs that you water. can't get over <laughs> and water. I don't know, though. I kind of think the forest that before that is pretty bad, too. Oh, yeah. Because cause... they... 
the, the game thinks, okay, it's a forest, it's a big open area, so you can shoot from one side of the floor to the other, kind of in a straight line, but there are trees all in, like, the out-of-bounds zone. And, and if you hit a place. tree, you hit the tree, it bounces off, it lands in the out-of-bounds zone, you're shit out of luck. Um, but it doesn't, it, but the game thinks, oh, that's open space. You should be able to get this in two shots. It's all the way across the map. So you need to line up a perfect straight shot to go through this grid of trees that you can't even really see in order to complete the mini game. And to make it harder, it's limited shots. Yes. You miss it, it's gone. (laughs) So I was really bad at speed of the first when I was playing it back on the PS2. So I didn't really bother with it. And, you know, that's a good part about this game. You cannot bother with it and completely be fine. Um, However, when I'm doing it on the PS4, there are trophies for things like getting all the medals in every chapter. So, of course, I have to go for it because I hate myself. Um, And (laughs) Speed is one of the medals on each one of the floors. So I've I've gotten better at Speed. Then there's also fishing. There is also fishing. Fishing is a lot different in Dark Cloud 2. Um... You do sort of cast it out and wait a little bit. Usually there is a big difference because you can't see the fish swimming around under under the water. So in Dark Cloud 1, you would kind of be like, oh, it looks like there's a big fish there. I'm going to try to line it up so that I drop my line right in front of it so that it picks it up. Can't really see that in Dark Cloud 2. However, when they actually do bite down and the bobber goes under the water... It's an actual mini game. It's an actual mini game. (laughs) Hell yeah. It's got an epic backtrack. And it's the most epic fishing thing you've ever done. So hold, hold in X to reel in. You got to move the rod with the fish to make sure that it doesn't come off the line. Um, you can't reel in for too long. Otherwise, the tension in the line will... Uh, snap. It, the line, Yeah, the line will snap or the fish will get off the hook. I don't think you ever actually lose a hook because even when you no. lose the fish, you pull it up and it's like, oh, no, it's just a hook. You That's just not exactly bank. how it works game but uh we'll give it to you yeah i would just do this forever and then it got even worse whenever you unlock finny frenzy because Uh. then (laughs) i would fish constantly until i got the best fish i could to raise so yeah that's so this game also has fishing contests in the finny frenzy the fishing contest is basically you go in and you enter I think you can enter up to six, you can weigh up to ten fish, and then it takes the top three that you've weighed and basically gives you a total. And if you have heavier fish than everyone else, you get a prize. I don't think I've ever actually won the fishing contest, it's kind of bullshit uh, how big these NPCs who never leave the city get. Um, I've never but, won it, and I fish constantly. <laughs> yeah, there's there's not there's not a whole lot of really good prizes for it though, so that's not really no. super duper important. However, there is then the Finny Frenzy, which is basically you, you know that that snail racing episode from SpongeBob. It's basically mm-hmm. that, but with fish. <laughs> yeah, and it's one of those things that you can basically put any fish in a fish tank, and if you feed it different types of bait different stats go up uh but they'll only eat like one piece of bait per in-game day so it's the kind of thing that you want to start early at least that's what i've that's what i found out too late when i was most recently playing it um but if you just keep pumping up one fish eventually you'll have enough to win the finny frenzy i am not there yet but i'm close see there are some good uh prizes from it too like the martin sword the guardian sword um and then all of the party member 
yeah, a sunstone, and I think I believe also a moonstone. Yeah, moonstone too. But I mean, it's all completely optional. I just try to always go for level up powders constantly, just because I like to just <laughs> constantly level up random weapons. You gotta get a max version of all of the different extra. Yeah. Like, every every best treat. Best weapon of every tree. You Except gotta have one, and you gotta max out all the stats. That or I just, I just get oh, sick oh. of getting Island King. Whenever I first get me onto it, I'm like, yeah, nope, nope, no Island King. Tired of it. <laughs> one time, Island King has such good stats, though. It's it's so stupid looking, <laughs> but it's got good stats. It's it's like not even it's not even like oh you take take a little hit in attack power for you know a cooler looking sword. It's a lot. Yeah, which is a bummer. So yeah, there's a lot of extra stuff to do that do in this game. In addition to being able to fish and golf, you can also build a robot. Um, you 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 end up with a robot named Steve that you're supposed to use to hit some of the bigger enemies in <laughs> in the dungeons. Um, and you know you can switch out parts on Steve so you can have him with you know boxing glove arms and you just walk up to enemies and just pummel them. I like to use cannons so that I can shoot them from far away. Um, I use the, the little mini guns. <laughs> I've never used the mini guns. Nova cannon is usually the way to go. Yeah, I just um, like the mini guns because I, I like to see a lot of numbers. <laughs> 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 and it also feels cool to have the mini guns while you're using treads. <laughs> So, yeah, Max has his robot. Monica can transform herself into monsters. Um, so you can you can do a couple things to get... I think there are ten different monster families that you can transform into. And you can level them up. They can evolve. The only problem is, is that the monsters are all are really bad, and they take a lot of experience to level up. Yeah. So it's fun and cool, but I wish it was better. <laughs> Yeah, I never touched it. I, I got I got the first one just to use it for for one level. I believe you only have to use it for one level, and then ever then ever since then I'm like I'm just gonna use the right pod constantly. So the the one to get and the one to level up is uh, the Gemron. So it's basically a little lizard on a giant floating shiny gem, and he's adorable and he shoots like wind breath. So he's a purely ranged monster, and he's got the best stats out of all of them. He's still kind of meh as far as it all goes. But there's a trophy for evolving your monster to the final form. So, of course, that's what I'm trying to do. Yeah. Is just It just takes a really long time. That's one of those cases where, you know, you use Monica to beat up the monster. And then you switch to her monster form in order to get the experience. So that you don't have actually have to kill the enemies with the monster. Because you'll just sit there doing chip damage for a very long time. Yeah, I really ever touched it besides, well, getting the moon and sunstone because of my photography leveling. <laughs> those are those are actually important, though, because those do give you an invisible buff to all of your stats. It oh, like, yeah. doesn't change the number that it shows you, but it definitely changes how much damage you deal and how much damage you take. Otherwise, it was all the flora. That's all I really had. That and uh, I think I did get the magical creature badge. I'll have to check later, but... That would be Pixie. Yeah. Yeah, no, I always got all of them. They're just not really worth using. But it's 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 like a it's like Pokemon badges. You just open up the case and show all of them, and look how shiny they are. <laughs> and then uh, don't do a whole lot with them past that. 
See, I didn't like how it was executed versus how the ride pod was, where the ride pod, you could upgrade individual parts, you could uh, build it yourself by finding the ideas if you want to, instead of having to buy parts, versus random monsters and getting the drops. <laughs> yeah. But my favorite feature in this game, I would say, is the town building. It's def- It's a lot different from Dark Cloud 1. Dark Cloud 1, you have very specific buildings and very specific yeah. things that need to go in each building. Dark Cloud 2 sort of gets rid of all of that. Um, you have recipes for specific things that you get as you go through levels. And so, you know, you can build and you go to the forest, you can build a wooden house. Um, and basically when you're building these towns you have all of these targets that you need to hit and you know one of them is you need to place this much river and it's going to restore the lake in the future um you need to get someone who knows about trees to reside in the town and then that will you know revive jurak the great tree spirit um so that's where you know you go back to the town the city you start in you talk to everybody you basically make everybody move out of this big city so that it is just it's just a lot of buildings and not that many people in it anymore um everybody comes and lives with you on your train it's a good time um and you basically say hey you're gonna live here that here now and sometimes they'll say i don't really want to live in that specific house if i'm gonna live here i'm gonna need a cart out front or i'm gonna need the roof to be purple or something yeah <laughs> Some, some I need to be raised thing. up five feet in the air. <laughs> so I can look down upon all of you in disgust. Uh. My favorite town to build was actually, uh, I forgot the name of the town, but the island town. Venetio. Well, the, 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 not the island, but the... the Balance Valley? Sea, the seaside. Venetio is the seaside, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah Venetio. It's because everything's on the platforms and the windmill you have to build and the houses are just really interesting looking. It's, de- it's definitely cool, and every place you go to, it's very different. Um, so you go to a place called Balance Valley, where there's four plateaus, and basically, that's a big balancing game. Yeah. So if you put too much stuff on one plateau, it's going to lower, and another one is going to raise. Um, so you kind of have to plan out, okay, I'm going to try to keep an equal amount of stuff on each of these platforms so that you know we can keep everything even so that there's going to be space to build a big temple there in the future yeah and then there's also uh the, the, the second the chapter you finally get at the chapter two uh where you have to try to work a river everywhere about 50 of them member right you have to <laughs> make it look like a well, smiley face yeah <laughs> you have to make it so that everything fits also in between all those little water sources um and heimrata yes Yes, I remember. Yes, I remember the name right. <laughs> Heinrada, you have to build like some a building, one of the houses, really tall up, just as to make an idea for the future to have like multiple floors. Yeah, it's also that one's also interesting because it starts out and you get there. It's at the foot of a volcano, mm-hmm. and when you get there, it's raining down cinders from the yeah. top of the volcano. So you can't build anything wood in there to start with. You have to do everything out of metal or stone. Yeah, which took forever grinding. <laughs> it did take forever grinding. And that's, that's another thing. Luck, with this. Luckily, there is a nice little furbit man who lives in the back of your train, who will sell you just about anything as long as oh, you yeah. have the money for it. Which, money in this game is a lot easier to get than in the first game, because there is a glitch. Yay, we love glitches. I actually didn't know that. <laughs> so, if you get the lure rod, and you put 
and you have, say, two copies of the same lure. Um, you basically put one on the rod, and you are looking at Max on the character screen. If you switch the character screen to show Monica instead, and go over to lure and say, I am going to put this lure on my lure rod, and you go and you click to put it on, it'll switch the two, but it'll forget to decrease the counter on the rod. Uh-huh. So you can just do that over and over and over again until there are 99 lures on that rod. Then you can uh-huh. take them off, <laughs> go sell them, and then you can do it all again. It takes forever, but it's free. <laughs> <laughs> Let's there's, break there's... the economy. Hey, if it's in the game, it's 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 totally a viable strategy. It's it's not a bug, it's a feature. I um, wonder there there are also some some weird text glitches within the games that, you know, it's I think it, it kind of adds to the charm, but it's definitely some things like in Dark Cloud One, there's a town called Muscaraca, or it might also be Muscalaca. You can't really tell because half of the places list the second word with an L and half of them list it with an R. And I can't I, I don't I don't know which one is real. Um Surprise. So and it's also interesting for your Lodo Roto. <laughs> it's also interesting because in Dark Cloud 2, after you finish a floor, it always says, basically, that's when Speedo becomes available. You you kill all the enemies. It says, yay, you killed all the enemies. And then it says, do you want to move your character to the sphere um, just so that you don't have to walk across the floor? It's a good feature. I recommend using it. However, it always says, if you're playing as Max, it says, do you want to play Max? It do you want to move Max to the sphere? If you're playing as Monica, it says, do you want to move Monica to the sphere? If you're playing as the ride pod, it also says, do you want to move Monica to the sphere? <laughs> <laughs> Which, when he you're playing the ride, ride pod... and named him Monica. <laughs> it's not Steve? The, the ride pod is Steve. So, you know, the, the programmer in me is like, oh, the way they programmed that is like, they say, okay, check if playable character... Play- if active character is Max. If that's true, say move Max to the sphere. If that's not true, say move Monica to the sphere. That's gonna be perfect. And then they get to the ride pod and Max is sitting there on the on the ride pod and they're like, hey Monica, you wanna go to the sphere? Uh so it's it's one of those things that like I if that were to come up in a game nowadays, I would probably cringe a little bit more. But because it's like a 2002 game, it, it just kind of adds to the charm. And I think it's it's kind of funny, kind of cute. I'm actually surprised that like with Dark Cloud 1 and 2, Level 5 never made a Greatest Hits version. Because, you know, those are technically just secret bug fixes. Oh, and, uh, uh, Dark Cloud 2? Oh, Dark Cloud 1 and 2. They haven't no, Dark Cloud, Dark Cloud 1 has a Greatest Hits version. It does? Yeah. Oh, I never saw it. But yeah, I, I saw did. one. I saw one at the uh, at a used game store just the other day, so I know huh. it exists. Okay, that's cool. Really? So, yeah. yeah. So they must have bug fixes then, because uh, Dark Cloud Two it never had ones, and with all the bugs, <laughs> I'm just here like, oh my goodness. Lendar, <laughs> uh, um, so, you you have a glitch too. I've actually never really used this one. Oh, uh, the cheeks, the cheat code. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the cheat code. Um, so there's an item you can get from, I believe, the mayor. Mm-hmm. Uh, with, with, I think he does the monster badges, right? The monster, the the, 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 coin, the coins that you get from uh, dungeons. Yes, you get enough. 
the medals, yes, the the medals. When you get enough medals, you can buy a name card. And if you're lazy and you don't like using ranged weapons whatsoever like I was, you could uh, just take the name card and name it Last Resort and then plop it on a weapon and it turns into the Last Resort weapon. Or say like you want to get a 7th Heaven, you can do that. And it's a little cheat code and it actually keeps all, and it makes the stats also change too. I thought it was just a beautiful thing to do because you just watch the weapon transform and now i have a minigun or just a little a little uzi for max and i'm just sitting there going after uh the final boss just shooting at him with that all day long <laughs> yeah um so def- definitely a cheat if you're bogged down by trying to upgrade your weapons however upgrading weapons in this game is a lot easier than it is in the first game because absolutely. while they still ha- they still have the weapon hit point system um so your weapons can still break in dark cloud 2 but when they break they don't disappear they just do basically one point of damage um so you don't want to leave them broken because you're not going to be effective with it but they don't disappear um they also got rid of the thirst mechanic so those things from dark cloud 1 where we were like "Eh, maybe we don't really like that too much they did update that in dark cloud 2 just a year later i will one of my favorite things about the weapon health in this game is like when you run out of ammo for your ammo is your weapon health for your gun and whenever you run out it goes click 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 <laughs> it's just beautiful yeah i never let thing. it get that low <laughs> i did it, it's, it's fun to listen to because because uh there's times i would just never buy enough weapon health items to rehelp to repair and everything well now and, you know about the lure trick so you can buy enough repair powder <laughs> <laughs> See, most of my most of my money went to resources, um, and now I can't play Dark Cloud Two with the sound on around my wife because all she hear is Robin <laughs> from, <laughs> at, well, Robin or Lloyd because she's like, is that Robin from from Teen Titans? I'm like, no, it's oh Maximilian. No, wait, I didn't know he was Robin in Teen Titans. That was actually yeah. really funny because when we. So whenever we play a uh, a game with that voice actor now, we always say, oh, hey, Max. So we play through <laughs> all of Tales of Symphonia, and it's like, hey, look, it's Max. We watched Avatar The Last Airbender, and he voices a couple of uh, extras in that, and it's like, shut up, Max. Yeah. <laughs> We're not supposed to be here. Yeah. There was a time when I started the PS4 version, and my wife had to keep pausing her show she was watching. She's like, is that is that Robin? I'm like, oh, no, not again. <laughs> She'll just point out every time she hears him. See, one of the one of the first things I heard that guy in was Mission Hill, because he does the little brother oh, of the yeah, main character. Yeah, yeah. So I hear that first, and then I hear him as Lloyd, and I was just like, oh, my gosh. So now I'm going to hear that playing Dark Cloud 2. Thanks, guys. You're welcome. Um... Do we have fight. anything else we want to talk about? Oh, boss fights. Boss fights in this are boss actually fights, pretty fun. Yeah, the boss fights in both of these games, they kind of, they're, they are hard fights, a lot of them. Um, but a lot of them also have some sort of gimmick that you can find from talking to people around town and things like that. And if you sort of know the gimmick, you'll know how to beat them. But if you don't know the gimmick, good luck. Because um, it's, it's not going to work out. See, what I love about the boss fights is just because, like I, I mentioned earlier, the photography system. Because <laughs> every single one of them has a scoop that you can do that you need to take a picture of. And they're just so fun to get if you like not if you if you're not one of those people that like to not get hit, then you're gonna hate this. But if you don't mind getting hit or you don't mind like getting really cool pictures in games and stuff like that, it's actually pretty fun. 
Um, the boss fight I hate the most is in post game. <laughs> I, actually, I actually don't know that I've beat the post game dungeon. So I'm at a point right now in the game where I'm trying to get all those medals for that dang trophy. And uh, I'm slowly working my way through that last dungeon. <laughs> but I've gotten to the point where um, I was I was getting a little bit distracted. And then I would keep dying. And in this game, when you die, you get booted back to the title screen and have to go back to your last save. And uh, I, because, because I wasn't worried about my weapons breaking, I was not as diligent about saving. So I've lost a decent amount of progress due to dying. Uh, speaking of lost progress, I have a nightmare of this of this game. I was 13 at the time, if I remember right. And my grandparents, they've always been strict about bedtime. I'm sitting there trying to rush save. And, you know, saving in most games, you have to go to the save point and take forever for a little bar to go across. I was finishing a dungeon, running out. This is on chapter... This is the last... The last chapter, chapter seven, before post game, I was two dungeons away from Griffin. My oh, grandpa, no. my my, I was saving. My grandpa kept t- tired of hollering at me for to go to go to bed. He comes in, goes to my cable, rips it out mid save, and that's how I had learned. That's how I learned my love of restarting games. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, it's painful. That's rough, buddy. Yeah, it was rough. It was fully corrupted. And I'm like, oh, oh no, it's lost. And that's when I learned about post game. And then I'm like, oh, there's a post game. That's okay. I got rid of Island King, though. <laughs> <laughs> but the music is great. The music is still great. Um, there's a lot nice. of flute in it, which I really appreciate. Um, these are this is these are other game soundtracks that you you know I started to do some of the flute covers that I've posted on the Discord channel before. Um, I've started looking at doing some for Dark Cloud as well, but just haven't gotten around to actually making any recordings. But it's all so good, and it's just so relaxing to listen to. What's your favorite song from the whole game? From the whole if, if, game. It's hard to pick. I know it's a hard pick. Say, mine is Gundorada Workshop. That's a good one. It's so melancholy, and I love I it. I also very much like Starlight Temple. Oh, yeah. Um... But I also like how this game actually has a menu theme. Yes, it does. And it's just so happy and cheerful. Like, it's happy to see you every time you go into the menu. (laughs) I'm scared to actually open the YouTube link because I found out that people could hear what YouTube songs I was looking for before (laughs) I I was listening to before we started the recording. Um, So you got to be sneaky like me and mute yourself when you do that. I was muted, I think. No, I wasn't muted. However. <laughs> Ooh, Starlight Temple. But yeah. Um, one of my most saddest moments of my life was finding a, uh article online about why there was no Dark Knight 3. Oh, yes. You shared that with us. Please. <laughs> uh, you know what? I actually was talking about that last night. I was doing a podcast and I mentioned it and someone's like, what? Really? And I was like, oh, let me find the article. Yeah. It pisses me off to know that the only reason we do not have Dark Cloud 3 was because Sony didn't care for to make to allow. Even from the CEO and director of the of the Dark Cloud series was like, yeah, we wanted to. We were listening to the fans. We actually wanted to make this. But because Sony owns half the rights, we can't. And it makes me so mad. Because like even in uh, Rogue Galaxy, they actually they had to scrap the whole Dark Cloud idea 
just to make Rogue Galaxy, and Rogue Galaxy has hidden files of it being originally a Dark Cloud 3. Huh. Yeah. Actually, uh, the one of the main menus actually has the, the game being called Dark Chronicle, colon, Rogue Galaxy. This was found inside Dark uh, Rogue Galaxy. Actually, I can give you the, the photo right now. Okay, that means I need to buy Rogue Galaxy. I but think I'll have a lot of fun with it. But I oh, just it... bought Kirby today. <laughs> but yeah, it was well, gonna be... Rogue Galaxy will last longer and cost you about one-tenth the price. But but I've already bought Kirby is the thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay, Rogue Galaxy's better anyway. Well, when you beat Kirby on Monday, then you can start Rogue Galaxy. Yeah, speaking of Rogue Galaxy... <laughs> Yeah, I've I've gushed enough about Dark Cloud. You guys can talk about Rogue Galaxy now. Thank you for letting me talk about my favorite games. <laughs> <laughs> We're glad you got to. I'm glad you're here because I, I as you speak all that stuff, I'm like, oh yeah, I remember doing that. I remember doing that. I remember doing that. But holy cow, I would have never pulled them out of my head like that. These these are good games. I've bought all of I think three total PS2 on PS4 games and put any amount of time into them period because i rarely even touch my ps4 but these games are ones <laughs> that i do love maybe not as much as love as brewery and has for a uh, rogue galaxy but <clears throat> we'll 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 let that be the segue to uh brewery and tell us about rogue galaxy man rogue galaxy is such an interesting game because i guess around the time when it came out it came out in early 2007 which was i think around the time that the ps3 came out i think this came out post ps3 if i remember right if not it, it came out around the time that the ps3 came out which means it was a super late playstation 2 title and i'm talking like end of life i think the only games that got releases after this point were like you know just dance and all that because ubisoft doesn't let those let those die but you know rogue galaxy is it's a rpg set in uh set in space where you are uh basically an orphan on a desert planet and um i think the character is in his early to mid 20s so it's not like a uh you know young teen or like a 16 year old kid i think he's he's older one thing i really like about him and his name is um jaster rogue rogue Mm-hmm. is that he's very level-headed for being a, a main character for an RPG. Like, he doesn't get upset, he doesn't get angry. He's always just like, yeah, let's go with the flow kind of thing. He's also voiced by Will, Will Fidel, so uh, that's an extra extra bonus for me since, you know, he was like the big brother in um, Boy Meets World and you know, the voice of uh, Terry McGinnis in Batman Beyond and all that, but... Um, in terms of story for this game, it's it's not the most complex story. You know, he's an orphan on a desert planet. He dreams of leaving the planet, going off into space, bec- you know, becoming, you know, something, someone out there. And he gets uh, kind of tangled up in this very big, epic plot of, you know, one day he's kind of minded his own business, complaining about the Empire, you know, harshen the vibe of the town since they're you know moving and taking over all the surrounding planets and everything and uh he comes across this 
shrouded figure who gives him a sword. You know, he's like, hey, you know, I see you like to fight. Here, take the sword. I think it'll do you well. And as soon as he gets that sword, we have two characters show up on the planet looking for a person named Desert Claw, the legendary bounty hunter. And they see Jaster with this weapon. And they're like, hey, that's uh, Desert Claw's weapon. You must be Desert Claw. And Jaster, Jasper never says anything otherwise. He's just like, uh, he's like, I'm not Desert Claw. And they're just like, oh, oh, don't be silly, Desert Claw. We know it's you. You, you, have, the, you have the weapon of the hero. So they basically take him out into space, right? Oh, I should also point out that the, the, the two characters that show up on the planet, it's like this little squat little guy named um, Simon and a tall, lanky robot named Steve. Steve! So Steve has, uh, I guess, returned from Dark Cloud 2, I guess in a different capacity. And from Dark Cloud 1, because in Dark Cloud 1, he was a slingshot. Oh, okay. He so just he, upgrades he's, to higher AI. <laughs> yeah, he's just, he's just kind of grown as, as a thing uh, going forward. Um, I could sit here for the next two hours and talk about the story. So... We can kind of leave it at you go between a bunch of different planets as uh, a story progresses and you gain more characters in, you know, a very JRPG tropey fashion. You get a new character per world, right? So after you leave the desert, main desert town on the planet Rosa, you find yourself in the big empire city, the one that's technologically advanced beyond all belief compared to everything around it named Zerard. And that's where you kind of get kickstarted on your journey of um, hunting down the legendary planet of uh, Mary Glen. Because uh, the pirate ship captain, Dorgan Goa, loves his treasure and he really wants to find the legendary planet, find, you know, the legendary uh, treasure, you know. Put whatever name you will to it the Grand Line, uh, the Ley Line, you know, stuff like that. Uh, has anybody else actually played this game other than me? I played a bit. I don't remember the story. I never finished it, but I've oh. been replaying it. Okay. So because, where about are you to it? Um, my last save file, uh, I forgot the dog guy's name, but that's where I was at. Then I also was at the... I got to the point of... Uh, I remember a small house, and Jaster saw someone he remembered. I don't remember the story for at... But it was at a plot twist era time. Oh yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. That's a that's a big old plot twist. Yes. Uh, that I would be remiss to you know spoil any of that. But the character you're thinking of is Digo. He's Digo, basically yes. he's basically a giant dog man. He's got like he's got like this barrel chested human body, and then he's got a dog head on him. So it's not like he's <laughs> kind of kind of anthrop like a werewolf or whatever. He looks like a man with a dog head. He's, he's badass. And he's colored like a dog, too. So he's got like a big white patch on his chest and he's brown everywhere else, basically. But um, among the cast of characters that you get, uh, uh, you get a... You have Kisala, which is Captain Dorgan Goa's daughter, adoptive daughter, because Dorgan Goa is like this huge behemoth of a man. And I'm talking like... He's like the thousand pound man. He is so big, he can't get up off of his own ship. <laughs> he is, every time you see him, he's got food and he's eating. That's, that's you know, they're trying to get the point across. Of, he's a big fella. Um, then you've got other characters like Digo, who is your uh, character that you pick up on, Vidan, the mining colony. And then you have a character, Lilica, 
who is the Amazon warrior that you get on Jerica, the forest planet. And then we have that was um, my favorite planet. I, I remember back in the day that was the planet that you landed on that I was like, this looks really planet. cool. Crash oh things. yeah, it's yeah, yep. it's the first yeah. planet you go to, and yeah, it's outside of Zerard because I love Zerard because a it's got the factory where you find Jupus, one of the characters that you recruit, who is this weird little alien dude, who is uh, voiced by oh what's his name Ben Ben Diskel I think um, he most recently did the voice of Mega Man and Mega Man Eleven, but he was all some of you might know him as the voice of Number One from Kids Next Door. But I think we might all be old enough to not really have watched that. No, I know who that I is. It. Don't assume. Don't he's assume. Also... <laughs> In the recent Digimon Adventures, he's Agumon. Okay, maybe just me and Platy then. But um, yeah, because you guys are the old ones here. Don't forget we're the, that. We're the old ones. <laughs> yeah, the Forest Planet was really great. I loved it because I love all things like forest dungeons and stuff like this, and that was just right up my alley. Mm-hmm. And um, finally, one of the other characters that you get, his name is Zegram. He is kind of like the mysterious man. You never know if he's actually on your side or not. And that's just kind of a common theme with him throughout the game. Because the moment you meet him, you're just like, all right, are you a good guy or are you a bad guy? And he's also voiced by Steve Bloom. Steve. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so... Um, it's weird because all of the voice actors in this game are uh, very well known in the voice acting field. Like Lilica is done by Carrie Walgreen, but um, I think Kisala is done by an, an an actual like TV movie actor. And I think this is one of the few voice acting roles that she did. So it was always very strange to me that they got her to do this. But um, outside of the story. Uh, there is a lot to this game, and I'm talking about a lot. So one of the big draws for this game is uh, weapon synthesis. Like, before this game, I had never really seen this. I think the only other game on the PlayStation 2, at least, was Dragon Quest Eight. once you get far enough along and you can get the Dragovian armor and stuff like that. Um, and you would get, like, an actual costume change and everything. This game has about four or five costumes per character that don't actually affect your stats. So when you change into them, you can wear it the entire game and it doesn't affect anything, which is, you know, I, I wish all games did this. Um, Dragon Quest XI S did the smart thing of putting that in an extra, you know, equip slot instead of like the original release. But you got one from story progression. Everybody else had another, like a second and third one that you could find by doing stuff in the game, you know, completing side quests and stuff like that. And um, they're fantastic. All of them are fantastic. All of them look great. Like Kisala's final costume is one that you get from clearing the post-game dungeon, which is like a 100-floor procedurally generated dungeon. And... Um, that sounds familiar. Yeah. <laughs> Gee, I wonder how many games level five did that with already before then. Right. <laughs> but like I said, the uh, the big the big draw was the weapon synthesis. It's one of the most robust weapon synthesis systems I've ever seen. It See, is. Lo- it's absolutely massive. So, I love the. Yeah. I love the character progression also because it's very similar to Monica Maya, where you use items or such to like a, like a sphere grid system. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'll get there with the revelation flow. Um, that was going to be one of the next points I, I get to. But with, with the weapon synthesis itself, at some point in the game, you find this little mascot-looking frog named Toady. And he's like, he's purple and white, and he's got a star on his belly button, and he's got a tuft of blonde hair. And he, you find him in Jerica, the, the, the um, forest uh, planet. And he basically goes, hey, take me along with you, and I'll improve your weapons for you. And what he does is he'll take two weapons, mash them together, and give you a completely new weapon. But the only catch is, is that you have to, as Toady puts it, season both weapons by using them enough times in battle. Which is, you have to use each weapon in 15 combats from start to finish. So, to make a new weapon, you need to have 30 com- or, you know, random battles done. And you, then you can combine the two weapons, and you can get a, an improved version of that. And um, on each weapon, you know, you can have um, elemental stats and stuff like that. But uh, with those especially, there's like, between all the characters, there's like 700 weapons in the game. Which it is impossible to own all of one at any given time due to item inventory space. Because at max, you can hold 480 items. And that includes your costumes, your weapons, revelation flow items, so on and so forth. So... You kind of got to be uh, picky on what you keep on inventory at all given times. You know, it's like old RPGs that would only let you carry so much at once. But this game, also go, going beyond that, this game has um, seven legendary swords. One of them I mentioned earlier that you get from the Desert Claw figure that helps you out. Um, you create these seven legendary swords. And these these swords are kind of special because with other weapons, you merge them together and you get a completely new sword. But with the with these seven legendary, and they're called the seven star swords because there's seven of them, um, whatever you merge them with, it stays that seven star sword. But the, uh, the visuals of the sword improve over every evolution of the sword. So, and every weapon is unique and looks and has a custom texture. Um, Every weapon in the game has a custom texture, too, which for a game from this era is like, I've never seen anything like it. And I, to this day, I don't think I've seen anything like it that I can think of. Uh, can any of you think of a game with something as robust as this in terms of, um, you know, weapon synthesis? I mean, uh, the Rune Factory games have a lot of depth to them in terms of weapon synthesis because... You can pick, I want to say it's like seven or eight different types of weapons, and there will be 30, 40, uh, I, I don't think there's as much as 50 in each one. But, you know, you add that up, there's three, four hundred um, weapons available that you can synthesize and then use that weapon to make better ones or something like that. And you can add different attributes to it. Each one can be, you can add 10 different things, but I mean... That that still even sounds like half of what's in Rogue Galaxy. Yeah, because at at any given time you can you can take any two weapons of the same type. You know, Jaster does swords. Kisala uses like her feet, so her weapons are her boots. And then Zegram uses a um, kind of a uh, I don't know the name of the weapon, but it's just like a, a big ninja star looking thing. Um, Oh, and I forgot to mention that every character has a main weapon and then a sub-weapon, so, you know, it goes even further with, you know, how much you can actually synthesize with all of this stuff. So, you know, weapon types go together, and you get new stuff out of it. Or you can have Toady analyze your weapons, and he'll look at whatever you've got in your inventory, and if it has enough experience on it, he'll go, hey, you should combine this weapon 
with this weapon and you'll get an even better weapon. So it's generally a good idea to use his um, analysis feature to kind of create your route for stuff that you want to create because um, with over 700 items or weapons in the game, you'll be there forever trying to trying to find like something really good. Because yeah, you could combine two different swords together that have certain attributes on it to max out those attributes, but if you do everything in the game, it doesn't matter at the end because everybody, almost everybody gets a weapon that the attack power and all of the elemental uh, attack power is maxed out anyways. So it's kind of a moot point until late, 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 late in the game. But um, moving on moving on from that, uh, the combat in this game is a, a little bit unique to RPGs, I guess. Because with this, it's more of an action RPG. You know, there are random encounters, but you don't go to a different screen. The enemies just kind of pop up wherever you are. And um, I guess you can think of it in terms of Kingdom Hearts as you can move around the field, move around the characters, and you can go through your menu and everything. But you have a, you have basically you have an action bar that decreases every time you use an item or uh, attack or use a special ability and once that happens you have to wait for the bar to fill back up before you can continue to attack or use items or anything else and that can kind of create fun situations when um you're doing stuff with uh, the other ai characters who will constantly chirp at you of hey i want to use this ability will you let me use this ability and you you know you hit like l1 or l2 to let them use an item or use an ability um so another fun thing about it is with the special moves in this game they all have their own custom animations like you there are nine characters roughly and each of them have you know, 10 different moves, and every move has a unique animation to it. Like, it'll play a short cutscene of, you know, Jaster cutting up a dust storm around him as it damages all of the enemies, or uh, Jupus, one of the sillier characters, will spit a lot of gum at the screen, and it will paralyze all of the characters in his path, and so on and so forth. You don't have to watch any of them, but they're always they're always fun to, to view a few times. And it goes even further with some of the characters have kind of dual tech attacks. Like if you have two specific characters in the party, they can do a move together that kind of wipes out all of the enemies because it's just a super strong attack. And then finally, we have the burning strike, which is every character's limit break, basically, as you damage enemies on the field. Like these little blue orbs will fall out of the enemies and you pick them up and it fills this gauge up. And once the gauge hits one of three points, you can do a burning strike of varying degrees of damage to where you enter a kind of active um, cutscene to where you have to do button presses at certain times to continually do more damage. And... Um, yeah, it's 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 a lot of fun. Um, the combat is very fast paced, and uh, sometimes I do feel like there's a little bit of an unbalance in it, though, because the enemies don't do like just a little bit of damage to you compared to you doing a lot of damage to them. the The damage seems to be equal, so I find myself burning through items pretty pretty fast. Like I'll get hit real hard, and I'll have to quickly pop a potion and that's opening a menu going to a character selecting item and then using an item on yourself or another character so 
it can kind of stall combat a little bit if you're not you're not good enough. Mm-hmm. But uh, I guess moving on from there, what was that that you were mentioning, Lindar, earlier? Oh, revelations. The revelation flow. That's right. Yes. So the revelation flow, I guess, could be very much closely considered to the sphere grid of Final Fantasy X. I right. think that or Monica Maya's, uh, if you've ever played that. No. It's very similar where you, besides of having to just craft items and unlock the, unlock the ability, this one you're technically just crafting the ability. Yeah, so in Rogue Galaxy, to unlock abilities to use, and um, I think it's mostly just abilities for your revelation flow. I think everything that you unlock is, is an ability because there are no... There's there's stats uh, for attack up essentially. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Those are fewer than abilities, I believe. It's been a while since I've done the revelation flow because I've been working on the same Rogue Galaxy file for like half a decade. <laughs> I've almost got it. I've almost got a hundred percent. But um, I've yeah, I haven't touched the revelation flow probably since 2016, 2017. See, all um, I have left it for Jaster is all I have left is Supernova level three. That's all I have left. So you need some ancient scrolls. It sounds like. Yeah. Yeah, those you'll get a bunch of those late game. Like you'll have there, you get more of them than you need, so you never have to worry about where you throw them. I do like how like uh, there could be items that like for Digo for the our song where one of the items is a coin shaped mark, and it suggests to use the like the officer coin, but when you do, it says it's the right shape, but it won't fit. Like it, it will suggest an item, but it's not the true item. So you still have to search around and yeah, but, yeah, because the the revelation flow doesn't tell you what item you need it it'll show like like what lindar said it shows a circle and it says a coin like thing and you you think you have the right thing but you really don't but a lot of them are very kind of easily guessable there there are a few to where you're just like i have no idea what this is until you uh, get it way later because once you open up the menu and you go to the revelation flow if you have an item that can fill in a slot on a character, their uh, icon will be blinking. So you know to go in there and that you can put an item somewhere in their flow. But I, I liked it a lot. Um, I thought it was a lot easier than the sphere grid for Final Fantasy X myself, just because it's item-based and not like grid-based or not like sphere grid-based. So yeah. you get a ton of these items, so you never have to worry about not finding anything. I mean, if you also another uh, a thing that's added in later in the game where if you need an item, you can create it. Yes, using the factory. Uh, I loved the factory. The factory was oh, yeah. you would get these blueprints, right? And you know, sometimes it would be to create an item, or sometimes it would be to create a weapon for a character. And you, what you would do is you would get a grid-based factory, and you would have to create a blueprint to get said item so you would have to gosh some of those uh blueprints got incredibly difficult to figure out oh yeah like you would uh you would have to create a working um kind of machine to where you would put specific items in and they would feed through specific portions of the machine at a certain speed and you would have to build other parts of it for when you had multiple items going at once because they all have to reach the final conjunction point at the same time or the um or creating the item fails basically so it's a lot of trial and error of finding out the correct path because several times i would have 
everything set up correctly, but I would have something set to where the item was moving slower than it needed to be. And um, yeah, it was, uh, it's, it, it, it can be kind of wild with, uh, with the factory, especially when you're trying to do some of the uh, seven star swords, because it requires you completing several of the factory blueprints to get the items needed to do the sword. Yeah, with uh, the blueprints, it's very like blueprint. The way they set up blueprints, it's similar to the building in uh, Dark Cloud Two, except Dark Cloud Two, you're dealing with people as the resources, and with this, you're actually trying to build to make resources. Yeah, and you have to power up each part of the machine that you place down as well. Mm-hmm. So you have to be wary of where you put things down because you have to run a power line from a wall to yeah. the unit. And you can't have power lines crossing over each other and stuff like that. So it becomes very like, you know, and there's no there's no one to give you a hint on it either. No, you just kind of have to sit there and figure it out yourself. You can't go talk to an NPC who goes, you know, hey, this this piece would be best if it was sitting along with this piece kind of thing, which would have been nice. It would have been made some of those blueprints a whole lot easier. But um, talking about all of this works towards your kind of overall completion for the game and the way that they track that in this game is through the mio fan club and mio is a character that works for the galaxy corporation on planet zarard of when you first go there uh she meets you at one of the front counters and there's like two bumbling like uh empire like guards that are just kind of oh mio's the coolest i'm gonna be in her fan club kind of thing you know one of them's like oh i'm member number two really i'm member number three they're just kind of fanning over the fact that Mio is right there. And uh, she gives you a card. And on that card, it tracks like several different things from you, like hunter rankings, rare items, quarries, your hunting record, Insectron stuff, your revelation flow, your frog log, and your factory. And we've touched on several of those now, but um, you've got your hunter ranking which ties into uh your or not your quarries but your hunting record which is your bestiary in this game you can access that anytime via the main menu and with this uh hunter ranking you're trying to get from the bottom of the hunter rankings to the top because you get a lot of great items as you work your way up like at rank 50 you earn your first item and then you know you'll earn your next one at 40 then 30 then 20 then 10 and then every rank all the way to one and it gets you some of the best late game in gear that you can possibly get and um the hunting record is interesting because you have to find the enemies and then you have to beat a certain amount of them and i think that that alone was what took me the longest to do because several of the enemies well all of the enemies only appear in certain zones in certain areas in the zones and then it goes so far as to it appears in you know that zone in this hallway with this monster group but it's a rare spawn and i have to kill you know 25 or 30 of them so you're doing a lot of grinding trying to find specific monsters but just just two days ago i finally finished it i finally got it and for every section of Mio's uh, checklist that you complete, you get a costume for a character. So, um, hooray for completion. And I mean, the only, po- <laughs> the, the, the only point to getting the costumes, you know, other than to change your characters into them, is 
the next time you start a new game, you can use a previous save and just pull all the costumes over. So you can just have all of them at the start. Um, and there's two others, the rare items and the quarries. There's like, I think, five or seven rare items in the game. And they do nothing. They do absolutely nothing in terms of relation to story progress or anything else. They are just things to find. And they are, a lot of them aren't easy to find because it requires kind of talking to a chain of NPCs to get hints and clues on where to go to find items and stuff like that. But once you get them all, you get a costume for one of your characters. But um, one of the last things on the list is the quarries. And quarries is kind of special boss hunting. It's not tied to the bestiary in any way. It's got its own section inside of the bestiary. But basically, in the on the counter behind Mio, over the course of the game, you unlock more and more quarries to do to where it'll be like a special monster. Though you know, most of the time they're just kind of reskinned of other monsters, but they'll be bigger and more powerful. And you go and find them in the zones that they're listed in, and you'll get a certain amount of. Um, points to go towards your hunter rankings and there's like 20 of these bosses and it takes near the end of the game to unlock them all but um they're a lot of fun to do because uh, they're basically just special bosses special optional bosses that you can do and uh, lastly the frog log like i talked about with the weapon synthesis earlier is like i said there's a ton of weapons in this game right so the frog log is basically analyze about 100 weapons and then create 50 of them because otherwise that is an unobtainable kind of uh, request from uh, Mio to do because how long do you want to sit there and synthesize 700 weapons? I certainly don't want to do that. I've only done three. <laughs> <laughs> I've... I've done 60% of the frog logs, so I have a, if oh, I'm at 60%, I have roughly, um, I need 30, I have to get 30 more recipes and 26 more weapons made, so. Let me look. But, um, suffice, suffice to say, there's a lot going on in this game. Um, the maps and the maps and the dungeons themselves are very expansive. The worlds feel lived in with lots of NPCs that are always roaming around that you can talk to about, you know, current going on in, in the game for like wherever you're at currently in the game. And dialogue will change with a lot of these NPCs as you progress the story. So uh, lots to do. It's a very visually pleasing game. Most of the cutscenes are done in like in-game or in-engine. So you don't get a lot of um, kind of pre-rooted cutscenes. I can only ever remember like two or three in the entire game. One of them at the very beginning when you're leaving the planet. Um, I think there's one later on before the ending of the game and then obviously one for kind of the credit scene. So uh, the characters are likable. I like everything about them. Some will say that the story is kind of weak because the, the you don't get a lot of backstories for the characters, but hey, you know, with as with as much content as this game offers, I don't even know how long I've been talking about this, but um, <laughs> you can see that there's a ton to do in this game. And once oh, you absolutely. Can, one of one of the really nice things though that this game does is because the maps are absolutely massive, and you don't want to have to run from the pirate ship to the far end of the map to do something. Um, your save points also act as teleporters. So if you have activated another teleporter on the planet, in your, like another save point on the planet, you can just teleport over to that if you want to, and it saves 
a lot of time. So you're not constantly running about. Um, and it has item storage. So if you don't want to carry specific things on your person, you can just throw items into the like ship storage, basically. So I guess that's about all I have to say on the game. Um, it's a lot of fun. You should play it. Uh, Post-game is great. The Insectron stuff I didn't really touch on. It's bug battling. It's a game in and of itself. Like, if they had cut this completely from the game and released it as its own thing, it would be a, like, fully fleshed out game. But, it's uh, bug, a massive game. and Bug I battling have... is a very Japanese thing. <laughs> <laughs> this game is a massive game. I... I just found out that I remember I found out who uh, at the plot was for Kisala. That's where I left off at. Oh, you're pretty, you were pretty much done with the game at that point. Yeah, that's where I'm. That's where I left off at, and I don't remember anything beforehand. So, <laughs> but I was just going through the, my factory, and I remembered how much it frustrated me. <laughs> You'll get there. You'll get there. Yeah, there's so much from this game that. I think, yeah, you will enjoy Dark Cloud 2 a lot more than 1 because a lot from 2 go into Rogue Galaxy. Well, that's that's good to know. That, that'll that that'll help me out a lot. Plus, the cell, the cell shading between the two games yeah. looks very similar. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's why I played Rogue Galaxy. It was that next Dark Cloud game. <clears throat> yeah, I had no I idea uh, that it was Dark, basically Dark Chronicle because that was the Japanese name for it, if I remember right. And European. European, and European and, yeah. Like, it was Dark Chronicle Rogue Galaxy. I had no idea. Yeah. That was ever the case. Like, I found out about this game because I picked up a random demo disc at GameStop and played it, and I was like, oh, I like this. I like this a lot. I actually got this around the same time I got my Monica Maya, and I was like, oh, level five made another game. This is the time I really was on the internet, and I noticed it, and I bought it, I'm like, Okay. Then my my original fat PS2 before I got got it had uh I worked on it. It wouldn't work on my fat PS2. So it made me so upset. Oh no. Yeah, it was pick finding out that Rogue Galaxy is very picky on the PS2 model you have. I had no idea. I my yeah. I originally had a fat PS2 and it played just as, oh. as far as I remember just fine. Yeah, it it was not wanting to work whatsoever. Um I finally ever got. I finally did get it to work on my original fat, and the hours lost in that game. <laughs> oh yeah, my 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 current file going on. I've got 130 hours in it. I will say. Oh, because, that's fantasy lifetime. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've done the post-game dungeon like three times now, and I'm thinking about going back in for a fourth because of the item that you get at the end. Because you can continually get it. You can just go through it again and get it. But my entire party is level 99 now, so I don't even have to fight battles. I can just run through it. <laughs> I also remember around the time I was playing this, well, the first time, I was so ticked off at uh, Star Ocean 3's plot twist. So bad that I dropped that whole game. And then I got, and then when I got this game, I'm like, this is beautiful. This is how it should be. <laughs> so, so the the game looks great on the on the PS2, like, but on the PS4 they gave it a 1080p up-res, and it looks so good. Ooh, so actually, good on the PS4. I don't have the PS4 version, but I do have a upscaler for my PS2. Hey and man, it's that. only 750 on the PS4 right now. I mean, if I have to get another, I can probably just pop on my PS5 later and get it, but. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, I already have it in an upscaler for my PS2, and it looks as beautiful. So just minus the anti-aliasing that they added in for the PS for the PS4 version. So they needed it with the scaling that they did on it. Yeah, so I, I still have a little jaggy in, 
edges. Well, you don't. I will say the P- the Dark Cloud 2, though, has a lot of artifacting on the PS4. There's a lot of random uh, menus that have random artifacts on it. On the PS4 version? Yeah. Yes, yes, I can, I can um, confirm that because when I move items around sometimes, you can see the edges of the transparent layers. Yeah. I'm doing that, and it bugs me. It bugs me. Yeah. But hey, I'll take it. Uh, they fixed a, like, three... 2017? About four or five years ago, they actually released an update for it that, that fixed a sound glitch problem that they were having with the game, so I'm glad that they did that. So least. they did that around the same time they probably updated Jack and Daxter? Probably. I just remember a patch coming out for it, and they didn't release a changelog for it, and nobody for the longest time could figure out what it was that they did. <laughs> But Blue, you should play this game. Yes. So should Yankus. He should. It's, it's okay. only 750. It's only 750. Only I rewrote. I... That's that's pretty good deal. Blue, you should go grab it. It's only 750. It's only 750, Blue. Go grab it. <laughs> Not even two gallons of gas. <laughs> Cry. Depending, depending where you live, that's two gallons of milk. Yeah. <laughs> where you guys live in a gallon of milk is more than that here. Oof. I was, I was very excited this week to pay $3.50 for a gallon of milk. Oh, I, I pay less than that. <laughs> because two weeks ago, it was $5, and it was $5 at Walmart. I'm like, what the heck? I paid $4 for, for mine the other day. So, you know, it, these price changes, wild ones. Like, I, I went to, I think I was at a BJ's, which is like a Costco, and I didn't even look. I just grabbed a double pack of eggs, and I'm at the self-service thing about a month ago, ringing it up, and it was like $10. I was like, what? Ten dollars? This is like three fifty. What the heck? So I quickly get on my phone and like price of eggs and saw the whole bird flu thing. I was like, oh shit. But yeah, I, I love the whole series and I'm so pissed off at Sony not wanting level five to do anything. And now level five won't do anything for the West. So unless it deals with a third party. Oh, I'm, I'm sure they'll have something again. So. But yeah, so in terms of Rogue Galaxy, uh, there's a lot to do, there's a lot to see, there's a lot of weapons to make, so you should all go do it and tell me how you did. Alright, this is a game again, I I, I was looking up, uh, I beat this back in uh, 2007, so it's been a good 15 years. That's and good. Let yeah, yeah. I, this is something I definitely waited for. Lendar, you mentioned Star Ocean 3, and I'm like, oh, look at that. I did play Star Ocean 3. I beat it right after Dark Cloud 2. <laughs> Back in my yeah. 2005 days. So um, that was probably when that came out, because I was looking for everything for... Uh, <laughs> I was looking for everything for PS2 back then. But, all right, it is getting late for us. This has been a long episode, and uh, I know where I am, where Blue Star is. Uh, we're, we're past midnight for us working folks. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, uh, you guys always keep me up past my bedtime. <laughs> you agree to this 20 p- minutes past my I, so. I, I beg for this, so it, that's hey, this time it's worth it. So, all right, we're, we're, we'll wrap this up here because you know, I've never done a deep dive of the 100 levels into any of these post game dungeons we've put in the games we've talked about tonight because you know what? I always found level five a good enough place to just stop and enjoy. <sighs> All right, before we get too deep in the Platy's pun pool, uh, I'll just say thanks for joining us, Lindar Brewery and Blue Star. Uh, it was interesting hearing about all those PS2 games <coughs> that uh, I've never got a chance to play, but I guess I could grab them on the cheap now for my PS4. Why is after That's this right. it says make sure to make sure to put that 
plug in there for those. Platt, did you put that in there? Oh, well, well, hey, man, listen, the Venmo's in the email, so to speak, right now. I don't know what that is, but woohoo! I thought I might need to move uh, back to Pick'em and return to a life of crime to afford purchasing them. No, 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 there's no need to do that. And, you know, something else neither you or anyone else need to do is use Patreon. Because, hey, we sure as hell don't. We aren't going to half-inch your hard-earned money when we could just offer you all this quality content about the games we know and love for free. So if you do have any money, though, that's just like completely burning a hole in your wallet, pouch, bottomless bag, or searchable wall sack, and you would like to donate anything to a website that's been supporting Dragon Quest fans for over 20 years, go ahead and stop by our uh, parent website, The Dragon's Den, at www.wudis.com den and click on Support This Site. Woodus has owned and maintained the Dragon's Den fan site for uh, decades now, and he personally edits every YouTube version of our podcast. Uh, he also fully appreciates any donations to help keep the servers running. Uh, if you have any suggestions for a future SideQuest episode, uh, we'd be happy to hear from you. Uh, just contact myself or Platy uh, via the Dragon's Den forums. You can look for Platy via PlattyM3. Look for Yangus Legendary Bandit. You can send us a PM there. Uh, you can also contact us via the Dragon's Den Discord with the exact same names. Or you could contact Platy via his uh, Twitter account, uh, PlattyM3. Uh, we got a list full of ideas. Uh, we're always looking for more, so we'll be happy to hear from you. Maybe we can add a few more to our list. Exactly. Bye, everyone. Side quest complete. Bye.